Hello, I'm James Taylor. And my name is Vote November 6th. No, my name is Marco Sparks. Nice. Welcome to Bros Watch PLL 2. We are back. It's November. It's actually October right now, but it'll be November when you listen to this. And uh, yeah, we're just checking in our monthly update on the pod as we get closer to an air date to the perfectionist, mm-hmm. which will probably be, I think March. Marlene tweeted spring. So I'm, I'm hoping for March. It might be April. We'll see. Let's guess. Let's guess March or late March. March. I think it's going to be like April 9th. Do you think so? Yeah. I don't know what day that is. You think it'll be, what do you think it's like a Tuesday night show? I don't know why it wouldn't be. Mm. I don't I don't know what the hell is even freeform schedule now, but. Let's see. That's a good point. I don't know what the fuck is on Freeform. Like, a- like April 9th is a turn on Freeform. Wow. Serendipity. Wow, nice. Nailed it. Um I know I can name some current freeform shows, but like I don't have a fucking clue what like their actual weekly schedule is. I'm not sure if they do either. <laughs> anyway. It's it's kind of funny because I mean you and I have kind of joked with like will freeform get like new freeform get this show man i fucking hope so because just a like what else have they got i need a good show i think i said this on the last pod i I need a good show more than ever right now really what's going on i just there's been a lot of like recent netflix shows Mm -hmm. that i'll try to watch and it's just wah 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 like i i just want a show where it's not like i just gotta like power through the first four episodes man and then it starts to get good I just want to show that's good. I just liked in the last headcanon. You were like, oh, geez, I wonder, shall I ever watch a Netflix show again? And I watched like three. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. Just bombarded with these tweets about Netflix shows. <laughs> I'm trying. So what was it? It was it was Daredevil and some Sabrina. And what was in the between them? Maniac. I should probably finish Maniac. I think I have like three episodes left. Did you get to the neck tattoos? Did you get to that one? Yeah. I just. That's. That's the that's the worst. That's like the whatever anti peak. Before Hill. I watched that show, I was like, I really don't like Jonah Hill though. And then I'm watching the show, and I'm like, nothing's changed. I like Emma Stone. Oh, she's so good in that. So is is neck tattoo gangster Jonah Hill? Is that concurrent with like Elvin Emma Stone? Yeah, I just watched. I, I think I'm just watched the one with the two of them, but it's like a the the dream didn't stop or whatever. So they'll be in the next episode as well. I assume. So from your description, sounds like in a lot of ways you barely survived your Halloween weekend. I was a little dismayed that my Halloween weekend didn't feature more Elvin Emma Stone costumes. That's a that's a look. That's why a hard would look you, Why would you expect that it would? I feel like she's just doing Legolas. But like sexy Legolas. I think it's just Emma Stone that you're looking for, not the costume. Uh, you found me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you outed me in front of all of these people. I'm just looking for Emma Stone. Uh, okay. Huh. I wonder if uh, the perfectionist will like elicit any kind of cool costume ideas. Do you think anyone ever went as like PLL people for I mean, Halloween? So Allie was a costume, right? The, like the, the yellow, yellow top. top. Yeah. That, that's an easy costume. If you can. Okay. Find so Paley year and a half ago, we ran into. That's right. We did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mom and daughter cosplay team. And the one girl was dressed like Allison. Oh, and, and Redcoat, yeah. And Redcoat. Is anyone else ever dressed like a PLL character for Halloween? I mean, this is there's a couple Spencer not- outfits. I mean, I 
think some of those outfits were pretty pricey, but theoretically you could have pulled off one of Arya's. Um, I mean, I, I think the skirt I, of ties. Yeah, I, I knew some people who had various uh, outfits of clothing that were worn on the show. So, yeah, Go there's on. you could you could approximate some of the other ones, like the uh, the X Men trench coat. Who had the X Men trench coat? Um, I don't know if I should say on the air. Anyway, okay, friends of the pod. What other outfits did they have? Or what other outfits are out there? You don't have to mention the people. Just in general? I mean, what yeah. outfits could you do from PLL? Well, like, no, you said you knew several people who had several outfits from the show. Like, like what other outfits? Does anyone have, like, the Stop Men dress? No, I, there was, like, a, one of Hannah's, like, red dresses. Um, and, like, oh, oh, one of Arya's oh, jackets, oh, maybe. Anyways, oh. I'm not trying to blow up anyone's spot here. Why are you asking? Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I was just, I'm, I know what you're talking about and, oh, but also I was thinking in my mind, the, uh, comic book dress. I don't imagine think I've that. encountered anyone. Can you imagine someone like just wearing them in the real world? No, no, I can't imagine anyone wearing that. Oh man. Ari is awesome. I think a couple people had like commented at us, um, in some fashion when somewhere in the social media last month or so, like you need a really distinctive visual look for the perfectionist. Cause that, yeah. I mean, half of our podcast in the beginning was just <laughs> commenting on Arya's outfit, you know, as as this fashion epoch changed. I, I can think of good costumes for all the PLLs, even Mona. I mean, you can just do A, right? Um, or like nerdy Mona, I guess. But like there's Arya ones you could do. There's Hannah ones like Emily. You just do like the cutoffs and like the plaid shirt tied around your waist and like the oh. Riverdale high shirt. You know, I mean, there's there's stuff you could do there. The uh the weird, like the gym socks, like thigh highs that she wore in the yeah, one. Yeah. You see the, the outfit she wears in the bang bang episode, which I feel yeah. like is like kind of the canonical Emily outfit. Okay. An Emily, Hannah, bang, bang, like Halloween costume duo would be very powerful. It'd be that way be better. A, be know, party look. Can I just rant about Halloween for a brief moment before we actually do the pod? Absolutely. Like pun outfits. Just uh-huh. no, they suck. I'm sorry. Is this, is this from personal experience? Have you encountered some pun outfits? Or just I just see them online and I, they make me angry. Which is the worst one? Uh, I saw one that was uh, it was a one night stand where it was a single person dressed as a nightstand. Get it? And it's like, go home. Change. Well, here's the thing about that. I don't know if the fact that that person literally is going home alone is meant to be ironic or not. Burn. <laughs> I'm just saying, like your your stupid pun is not that amusing. It's probably so a pain in the ass to walk around all day in that. Okay, but this is a moment. If you're comfortable to earn your bona fides, or you mm-hmm. know, to solidify your bona fides, what did you go as for Halloween? You're just getting very personal. What did you go as for Halloween? Were you first? I went as Harry Potter. Yeah, wonderful. I I'm the boy. This is totally. The podcaster, this is a totally serious question. Did you get sorted into Gryffindor whenever you do those online sorting it, things? It depends. Sometimes I did. What was the other one like? Slytherin? I think no, it was usually Ravenclaw or Gryffindor. Hmm. Okay. What did you go as? I went as Indiana Jones. Um really? Using pretty much things that I said I had whip? in my closet. I did have a whip, actually. I had the whip in your closet? I had the whip in my closet. Hmm. Yeah. I used to have the whip in my office and I took it home. Yeah, the fedora. Finally. I have the fedora that will pass. 
it's like a kind of fedora stetson i don't really know the difference sometimes mm-hmm. uh, um yeah mm-hmm. uh, the only thing i didn't have and i saw this at a place like the day after one of the parties i went to was like they actually were selling the little like a little approximated like golden idol and i was like oh but i wouldn't i wouldn't want to carry that around that's tough night. i mean i had the wand but i could just stick it in my pocket like harry does you know cold golden idol you gotta carry that around the whole time yeah and that's the thing is i wanted to have that hand free for like cocktails sure no you'd have to do the move where each time you picked up a drink you'd need like Hold the idol in one hand and drinking it. Yeah, it would just get old after a while. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Well, like, am I going to do like a whole complicated thing where like I very carefully like set the idol down on yeah, the table and like grab the drink at the same time? And like oh. by the like fourth drink you get, people are like, yeah, we get it. Yeah, we get it. That's exhausting. And I'm like, you're telling me. At least you weren't a one night stand. <laughs> Stupid. Not in that costume, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Harry Potter, the podcaster who lived. All right. Well, the perfectionist. Let's talk about that since this is Rose Watch Peel, too. Um, Shooting so has people, begun. I was say, real quick, a few people have gone back to us that they did actually have model UNs at their high school. I guess we asked people to tell us that information because we got like a lot of responses. I was like, holy shit. I think I did. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. It's I wish that more of the questions I've asked of people would elicit that response. Um, also, a couple of people responded that they actually were having fun in high school, which is not something that I was having. As we uh, both established, everybody else was having more fun in high school than we were. Way fucking more fun. But I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. So episode three, they're filming now. Uh, written by Charlie Craig, directed by Gary McLeod, who's done a shit ton of things yeah uh episodes four and five are written by joseph doherty pll alum executive producer Uh, pll yeah so bulk of the series dude (laughs) branded um episode three is written by charlie craig it's called if one of them is dead huh interesting oh you should say supposedly called right like we haven't seen a like the tweeted uh, script page, have we? I think we have on that one. We have? Okay. I think. Uh, the Joseph Doherty ones I saw on IMDb, so I'm very curious. But but my question for you is, uh-huh. what do you think the theme song will be? For the perfectionist? Yeah. and Stop saying that. No. Okay. I but never will. I don't know if that's going to catch on like you want it to. It I will. Mean, I'm root- hey, I'm I, rooting I made Twitter happen. Say. I want Ben Jamesio to happen. No. Because I made Benji happen. I made Benjo happen. I've now printed up a thousand Ben Jamesio oh, shirts. Competition. Catch them catch him in our, uh, in our uh, I don't know, whatever the stores where people sell shirts and shit. Ben Jamesio. Make it happen. Cha-ching. Um, yeah, but what do you think the song will be? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of recent... Uh, credit sequences i've seen i guess the sabrina show has one i can't for the life of me remember what song is playing um just like an instrumental is it okay that that credit sequence is such a giant spooky hand jerking off roberto finish the last name finish your hot take we're gonna talk about sabrina on headcanon yeah, it, it yeah. is. But like, save, like his, save for head cannon. His run, it is just a big hand, just stroking him raw. Um, 
Yeah, I'm very curious, like, what were the credits? Because at this point, like, the PLL credit sequence, I don't know if that was just meant to be cutesy when they were first conceiving that, but, like, that shit became iconic in its own way, right? Yeah, I mean, the it would you couldn't do the same thing. You couldn't just be, like, another body or anything. That just would not work. You can't have a new show, sure. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, like, there are various other credit sequences out there, like, they're just kind of more generic ones. I don't think that would work either. I don't know. I wonder what they'll do. I mean, I think probably less mm-hmm. is more i mean the plo one is all fairly quick as anyway like mm-hmm, you don't mm-hmm. you don't need like the netflix credit sequence where it's like two minutes long for some reason and half of them are boring oh the, <laughs> they spend all the money to make them two minutes long and then they include the auto skip feature yeah i yeah. don't understand it but i don't know i mean the the song they used for plo was so unique um, mm-hmm. i don't can't imagine what they would well, use well, that's why I'm like, why are you calling back to it in an episode title? Like, it, unless that is a Mona Allison specific episode. Is that a line from? Two can keep a secret if one of them is dead. Oh, if one of them is dead. Okay. Huh. Yeah. I think it is. I mean, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah no, Sean it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the guy who didn't get taking this one to the grave first either. So. <laughs> um. Yeah, I like I'm. I was. Could they just do the same theme song? That'd be weird. You'd have to at least cover. I wonder if they even know yet. They may not have like, like I don't know where in the production process they even make the theme song, and they might not even like address that yet. Are they waiting for like Ashley Benson to visit the set and just be like, "Hey, you should you should make this song your song or whatever"? And Marlene's just like, "Yes." They should definitely consult her. Yeah, (laughs) they should consult her. Um, so, so IMDb has as titles for the Joseph Doherty episodes. I don't know if these are the actual titles, but they're, oh, they're classic Jado titles. Episode four, the ghost Sonata. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Episode five, the patchwork girl. Is it ghosts as in like possessive, like G O G H O S T apostrophe S? No, not possessive. Just, Just the ghost, ghost Sonata. Sonata, the okay. ghost Sonata. Yeah. And the patchwork girl. Mm-hmm. Huh. So your theory is that they're going to invent a, a, a Nolina Hotchkiss and kill her off, right? <laughs> I think my guess, this is my straight up guess, is that is whoever this actress Haley Aaron is. Because I feel like she's the one we don't person know who's cast. That, I mean, they, they, they won't give you a name. Can we, I don't know, is it, it's, is it spoilery to talk about certain scenes we've seen suggested on Instagram? No, if they've been on Instagram, they're fair game. I, mean, right? I guess. I mean, you know, if you're like very sensitive to this, skip past like for a couple minutes. But like, apparently, there's a funeral in episode two, so, right? You know, presumably there's a some sort of big death that propels the plot in episode mm-hmm. one. Just guessing, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. we we would guess they're your your guess is they're going to throw a curveball, not kill off Nolan Hotchkiss, but kill off like his sister or something. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is a twist on the book thing. Uh, I mean, well, there's we will talk about the book in just a bit. I feel like the book's got an even the okay, just minor spoiler for what we'll get into. The subtext is text, yeah. <laughs> the book thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like that's the twist, and like somehow Nolan Hotchkiss survives. Though I don't know what you do in a world of Nolan Hotchkiss and Allison De Laurentiis and Mona Vandral, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. True. 
All right. Well, um, before we talk about the book, any other thoughts on the show? Um, no, I'm just, I'm very intrigued. Oh, we got to hang out with Norman Buckley. Didn't really learn anything, but that was fun. I mean, they're important. We forgot to ask him like the one question we said we'd ask him about, um, like the like branding of like computers and phones and whatnot. Did we mean to ask him that? Yeah. Yeah. We just wanted to know, like, does the show need permission to show like the logo or is that more a case of like not wanting to give free advertising? I would assume it was free advertising. I guess, I guess the question is so posed if Norman gets the chance to listen, maybe he can answer. Cause I know like didn't, didn't, Buffy straight up show logos, but like PLL was always very much about like uh, strategically placed sticker on the laptop. Yeah. And I just, the, the question is, is that because they like can't because like they have to get Apple's permission to show the product or is it more that they won't because Apple needs to like throw some money at them before they'll do it, you know? Cause I mean, they well, showed like that... the Microsoft kin, for example. Yeah. So. But that was like a deal though. Right. That was like specifically. Probably. Yeah. Well, now you're you're taking me down a whole fucking rabbit hole of related questions, like with the website page. Yeah, with the whole because I'm pretty sure that was like dubbed over. So does that mean that like Facebook told them no, or Facebook wouldn't give them money? Hmm. Hmm. I'm glad that when we were in Portland, we got to do the uh, the pilgrimage that everyone who's associated the show has done on social media. The uh, where we stopped by like pals to be blessed mm-hmm. by books. <laughs> Lots of books. Uh, All right. Well, let's, yeah. let's speak of books. Let's talk about the plur. I'm sorry, just the perfectionist, not the perfectionist. Um, we did chapters nine through twenty-one. Major spoilers ahead. Mm-hmm. I think for a book that you're not going to read, folks, come on. For a book you may not be reading and may not have anything to do with the show, but um, I think it's safe to say that uh, you your theory. I feel like it's pretty strong. I, oh, I have I lots see. of examples. I think it's going to pan out. So major, major spoilers massive, ahead. Massive yeah. example. Um, I got to say though, unless it hasn't been confirmed, my theory, but unless like the end of this book, like really shits the bed more than it's been shitting the bed periodically with each chapter. I, I am kind of very curious about what book two of this series is like. Yeah, really? Um, so just a quick rundown for in case anyone's forgotten who the characters are, like myself, in the last month. We got Ava Jalali, who's the beautiful conniving girl who was a model. Her mom died after being killed by a drunk driver. Her dad's married to a terrible stepmother, and she started finally applying herself at school. And it turns out she's great. There's Mackenzie, the musical genius who desperately wants to get into Juilliard, who's friends with Claire, but has a secret crush on Claire's boyfriend, Blake, who she's also uh, doing secret smooches with. There's Caitlin Martell Lewis, which is a mouthful. She's the athletic, talented soccer girl who's adopted, uh, has two moms. She dated Josh and then fell in love with his. I feel like she's going to fall in love with his brother Jeremy. This I mean, is the Sydney Parker show. These these names and characters, you gotta you gotta keep track of your Alex's, your Blake's, your Josh's, your Jeremy's, and your Carson's. Okay. I don't know if this helped, but this is what I started doing uh, at first by accident in my notes, and then it made sense to me. I started writing down Josh Friday and Jeremy Saturday. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then there's Julie, who I guess is popular, and she is beyond obsessed of her BFF Parker. And there's Parker, who's not real. <laughs> Parker, She's, who was real. 
She was real, I think. I think yeah, she was I'm real. pretty sure she was real. She was abused by her father. No one gave some oxy. She may or may not have phantom facial scars. And she, she sees a psychiatrist who seems very intrigued. I don't know how <laughs> I missed that the first time I read that chapter. But yeah. I uh, I mean, I, we'll get to that. But props to Sarah Shepard. I think she's doing good work here uh, in that regard. Like, what is the teen audience of this think when they got to the, like, the cemetery? Anyway, okay, so chapter nine. I just want to point out right off the bat that uh, there's a mention of a Harry Potter movie marathon on TV. I feel like that's a freeform shout out. Yeah. Or should I say an ABC family shout out for when this was written? Okay. So this is, this is straight up arrogance on my, my part. Oh, a lot of this middle section of the book feels to me like it could have been somebody like if somebody was writing PLL fanfic, solely based on like not watching the show but like listening to our podcast and then they they wanted That's to make it original. Right. they wanted to make it like an original work because i feel like a lot of this is responding to notes of what people said they wanted from the show like yeah. dissociative orders <laughs> I, I i think the uh the big twist that we all suspect now I don't think it has anything to do with us, but it's hard not to feel tickled pink by it, I guess you'd say. I mean, okay, I'm an American guy. Take our aspect out of that question, but like it's like I feel like if you just looked at PLO message boards and you just cataloged all the shit that people said they wanted and then you wrote a book based on those notes, you have this book. Um I'm not yeah, so I, I, yeah. I found I found this section more engaging than the first one just because you really started to hone in on certain little little tricks that Sarah Shepard is employing to uh, hide her twist. And I was very, very much enjoying that. Oh yeah. It gets, can't really it gets talk about. Wild. It gets fucking wild. Um, yeah. So, Oh, interesting. Oh yeah. I like, I like what you did there. Um, yeah. So Ava has her boyfriend, Alex over They're watching a Harry Potter marathon at ABC family. Um, Alex smells like clean cashmere sweaters and old spice, by the way, Alex made her feel, feel special all the time. And he had the unique ability to keep her sane and grounded. In the overly competitive world of Beacon Heights, <laughs> I can't be real. Like as I got into this, I was like, I, I only want Julian Parker chapters. I don't care about these other people. Mm. There's uh, very little of. Wait, I've already forgot her name. Um, Mackenzie. Mackenzie, right? There's very little Mackenzie. Yeah. Well, like Ava. Here. It's Ava, right? Yeah. Ava's fucking boring as well. And she's kind of a dork too. So Ava's used to being called beautiful by photographers, modeling managers, and a creep who tried to make this teenage girl the avatar for a computer game he was designing. Yeah. There's <laughs> That's this, just a normal backstory. And in this chapter, we're getting into chapter nine. There's this whole kind of encounter with her like stepmother. It's just awful. Yeah. And, and like classic drunken stepmother hidden away in shadows. Like awful. she's, She's not just the stepmother. She's not just the evil stepmother. It's like, oh, she drinks as well. Also, she's trying uh, to like erase the, her father's like Indian heritage. Um, right. It's like she's she's just purely a terrible person. Per, her Persian culture, yeah. She's like sloppy Joan Crawford, awful. Um, Leslie's a dynamic drunk. She's just like hanging on the dark, slamming Chardonnay like a goddamn champ. Uh, we're reminded that Ava had dated Nolan briefly way back when. She enjoyed it, she said, especially the power. Oh, they um, fucked. Yeah. 
she especially comments that freshman girls got the fuck out of her way in hallways. Uh-huh. I love that. I love that like the power was most displayed to her by people just like scooching the fuck out of her way. Like move, bitch. Able walking through. Well, there's this whole section on just like how Leslie's even like affecting the interior decorating. It's like gone were the Persian rugs her father and mother had brought bought in Tehran during the last visit, replaced with two beige couches and a leather recliner that Leslie picked out. Like like it sounds like their place was like had like a pretty cool vibe. And then mm-hmm. Leslie made it just like yuppie shit. Mm-hmm. Like they got rid of like uh, silk swag and like gold footed coffee tables and replaced them with like a glass table and wooden blinds. Like fuck that. I mean, I, I respect that Sarah Shepard and Ava talk about how Ava at least assumes this has a lot to do with Leslie trying to replace the memory of Ava's dead mother with you know, and taking it over with like Leslie's basic bitchness. Um, oh, so anyways, crazy. no one, yeah, no one had bragged to the whole school how he was going to fuck Ava after the junior prom. That's a hell of a brag. She was into it and they fucked. Then she discusses that not only does Nolan Hodgkins fuck, but he fucks everyone, which is a big part of this middle section. So she well, it's like, it's like right after they bang a junior prom night or whatever, like he takes a shower she looks at his phone and sees it like he's already setting up another hookup and he's like getting text messages. This the the male population of Beacon Heights is just filthy with fuck boys who have a bunch of like girls in their phone. And just also don't know how to like program a fucking passcode in on their phone either. Passcode, a lock screen. Yeah. These are all reverse oh, motherfuckers. Yeah. One thing um, I just wanted to highlight here, um, real quick, just in the in the text here, there's a sentence about the freshman girls partying for her in the hall. It's the way they normally did for Julie Redding and Parker Duvall in their minions. So okay, we so know that Parker existed go. at one point and was a real person. Parker Parker's fascinating. Um yeah. so Noah had started rumors that he was fucking that she was fucking all the male teachers and some of the female teachers. Hence her sudden upturn in good grades when really she was just applying herself. This is so now, this is Ava's angst is that people think she's just like fucking her way to good grades and isn't actually smart. And Nolan spread that rumor after they broke up. So would that be like a Slytherin thing? Uh, I guess. Yeah. Nolan's fairly Slytherin. Oh, I meant, I meant if you were fucking your way to good grades, well, ambition, you know, okay. use what you right got. Um, uh, well, it, I find it just interesting that like, she just walked out of the room after she found his phone with all like the, the messages on it. And like, I guess he just knew he was dumped and decided to like be horrible to her. What would Joe on you tell Ava? I, don't I want that to be season two of you where Joe just like counsels young people and they're like cyber ways. Um, so like Leslie is aware of these rumors. She's now going to use these to try to pressure Ava into not bringing her boyfriend around the house anymore for some fucking reason and ava acquiesces because it's easier and i don't know why but we have so we have basically the general template for most of the chapters at this point a single character interacts with some aspect of their kind of individual boring ecosystem something comes up they then stare off into space and flashback on how horrible nolan hodgkiss was to them which leads them to remembering some aspect of their part in roofing him at the party and then they float back well, on earth yeah they they worry about their culpability and like and then uh, kind of roll over for whatever and then we button up the chapter with either how guilty and or evil and or tragic this all is yeah um i find it interesting she mentions that people wrote the word slut on her locker room every day for a week who does that like who 
who is I mean, is that like just Nolan himself or one of his bros? Like who would even take the time? Yeah, who was like well, I mean, I don't know. I I don't fucking understand the internet and the people who exist on it, but like who was just like, I need to carve slots. I mean, I can definitely remember locker. in high school there was like, oh, you know those two are fucking, but like the idea that you would go right on their locker just seems completely insane. There were some epic, like blatant like fucking in our high school though. Oh, go on. Well, remember the um we had a boys football team that had a single girl on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and she was having sex with uh, one of the guys. She was pretty open about it, yeah. Boy, was she. They had both broken a leg. Like the same leg. Like they both like you broken just the right. Tell leg. this story. I love this story. Because I mean she told us later, but it was fascinating. So they like our our high school had one building of a second story because it's it's California, so it's like a spread out open campus. And they were given the key to the elevator. And they were the only two people who had that key because no one else needed to use the elevator. And they fucked in the elevator all the time, she said, because the, the same leg broken was, you know, was correlating crotches. So they were good. Get it. Yeah, do it. Um so chapter ten, are we done chapter nine? We are done with chapter nine. Chapter ten is a Julie chapter. Um for some reason, I've highlighted a whole description of her awful situation here. Do you, would you like me to read it? Sure. I'd love you to read it. She's describing her, her house. Her, this is her secret shame here. Mm-hmm. Uh, every step she took, she felt cats brushing her shins, swarming around her ankles. In the kitchen, broken appliances cluttered the floor. Old stained mixers and ice cream makers nestled between paper sacks full of fragments of shattered dishes. An unusable vintage stove Julie's mother had scavenged from somewhere sat under the window, piled high with stained and swollen cookbooks. Stacks of old newspapers and magazines tied with twine stood five feet tall against the walls. A dingy white cat was curled sleeping on top of one pile, while another sharpened its claws on the stack, leaving tin tendrils of newspaper drifting across the floor. Cat hair hovered in the air around them, swirling up in eddies every time Julie moved. But that's fucking gross. Move over, Marion Cavanaugh. We have a new winner. <laughs> this um, this house sounds awful. I mean, I I don't. It, it's never mentioned here any sort of like I don't want them to take my mom away type of vibe. But I guess maybe that's part of her motivation for not like I don't know going to social services about this. Yeah, her mom has some sort of mental illness that seems to involve. Like hoarding, I guess. Like hoarding and cats. Yeah. And yeah. not cleaning. I think she tries to call it like vintage hoarding a little bit. Um, I don't so think the mom her... works, right? No. No, she gets they get of... like a disability check or something. Yeah. Or alimony um, or something. Yeah. Maybe a combination of the two. Yeah. So prior to that, Julie's laying in bed having a meltdown about this Nolan situation. And like prior to that, we get what's on Julie's play right now. She's talking to her friend Nissa on the phone. She literally has a girl named Colette on hold. She's IMing with Natalie. She has 15 unread Facebook messages. Oh, shit. And 300 likes on her Instagram selfie from last night. And I'm like, before we even get to the description you just listed off, I'm like, holy shit, Julie, get your house in order. Like, this is time to inbox zero. Some nonsense here. Um, And then shit. And this is also, by the way, the pipeline to some sweet gossip. Uh. So there's a new couple on the scene who are made up of these like kids who like cheated on their exes and they were making out a photography dark room, which I've done that once. That's not sexy. It's mm. you think it is, but it's not. I will brag. Um, and then it's not as romantic as Julie seems to think it is either. Uh, yeah. And also Julie's mom has like a weird hacking cough. 
Well, I mean, I think it's just from like the, I don't know, like the phage or whatever that all these cats are and their hair are giving her. <laughs> um, to the point where this is, this is, this is a warning sign when you have to tell your friend that your mom is your weird broke down cleaning lady. Yeah, that's rough. Tough stuff for Julie's mom. Um, well, she, she, we get a little bit more of her kind of internal paranoia. She's telling herself, you know, you are not your mom. You will not become her. She's repeating to herself. So she's worried about uh, kind of getting her mom's own mental illness here, which may be important uh, as we see where Julie goes. I, I think she surpassed her mother in a way. Oh, yeah. Also, why is the bathroom full of like bulk boxes of mac and cheese? I'll say this for Julie. She might have a tulpa, but uh, at least she's clean. Yeah. Although is she? I mean, we this is, you know, an unreliable narrator at this point. So maybe it's all her. I don't know. Yeah. Probably I, not, but. I don't think, in case you've forgotten, it's not unclear where we're going or where the book is going with this. But yeah, um, we, we find out that Julie and her mom had basically been fucking run out of California because what a tremendous grosso slob Julie's mom is. Their Let's house is like out. condemned or something, yeah, because of all the cats. Yeah, so this is a lot of shit. So Julie takes Parker for some retail therapy at a consignment shop. Um, Julie's mom mentioned her check and I was at this point I wrote down like I'm not sure where this money comes from Julie says she lives off her lifeguard wages and I love whenever teen things do this because it's like we're never going to see her working this job oh no <laughs> I mean when's she doing that like during the summer or something maybe somebody's covering for her that's yeah. the thing right um, well she has this mention she's thinking about her mom and she writes she used to be so gorgeous successful perfect but then something changed bum 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 like mother like daughter yeah so Parker's going to go see the same shrink that Julie sees. Um, we got and, some we got some good little hints here. Like Parker, yeah. they're like looking at uh, jewelry, I think, at this point. And Parker says, that looks more like me than you, don't you think? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this is he's someone, some some therapist to talk about her eating issues. There's a rumor that even Nolan Hotchkiss had a therapist, which I wonder if that'll come back. Yeah, so there's the thing with the, the studded jewelry, the studded jewelry. Um, and Julie says to the cashier, I like to buy these for my friend here. And the cashier is basically like that person well, me, is either a ghost or invisible. No, let me, let me give you the exact uh, text. Cause I highlight this. I'd like to get this for my friend. She said, gesturing to Parker behind her, something fluttered across the cashier's face. When she looked behind Julie at her friend, people could be so shallow. Julie clenched her fist. So, I mean, if it isn't obvious enough, Parker is not real. Yeah. Parker doesn't exist. Parker used to exist and is either some sort of like poltergeist type ghost that has latched herself to Julie or awesome. is an entirely more likely an entirely a figment of Julie's imagination. Like I said, nobody in group conversations ever actually speaks to Parker. They or kind of do. There. Well, you'll see. I, the, they, trust me, I was paying very close attention because this they, is a. Uh, relevant to my own interests I'm, I'm very impressed with the way sarah shepherd wrote it uh props it's just mega props to like what she's doing here it's very tricky but uh she's not cheating let's put it that way she would have parker say things that people would respond to but it was key that they never yeah. ever they never like addressed her necessarily yeah also i feel like you're putting yourself out there pretty pretty unbroadly too am i yeah, you're doing okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously I feel like the facial scars is Julie's thing to convince herself 
for why people might have a weird reaction. Um, the mirror thing was really going to throw me just because I thought of like Brian De Palma's Dress to Kill where, where mirrors were the key to like switching between personalities. Anyway, so two girls are walking down the street later. Nissa comes up to Julian and invite her to some social gathering at some restaurant. Also, a dude named Carson will be there. I think Carson, Carson is the, is the uh, like the hot-ass Australian guy, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, General, avoid guys named Carson. What the fuck? Um, and, of course, at this point, Parker has vanished into thin air. Yeah, Julie blushed. She glanced at Parker, wondering if she'd come, too. But her friend was already gone. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of Parker, Do you think we can get Sarah Shepard on this pod? I, I would like to have a conversation with her about this. I would love to talk to Sarah Shepard. I would like to hear more. I, I, I'd like to hear, I would like, like to like hear about this book. I'd like to get real, though. Like, I don't want to just play it safe. You know, I want to I want to hear her get like real and tear things up. I want to hear more about the experience of adapting this shit and working of alloy and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, chapter 11. Parker's meeting with the doctor. It's Elliot Fielder. He's a counselor. He stresses that the, the difference with him is that he's more interested in listening to her as opposed to fixing her, which. <laughs> well, I mean, her confront some shit. There's some there's a passage right at the beginning here that I think. Uh, if it wasn't confirmed already, to me, this confirms it here. Let me read this to you. Uh, uh-huh. The door opened and a man appeared. He had tousled dark hair and his eyes were slightly shadowed in a serious brooding way. He had a lean, muscular runner's frame. He blinked at her. Um, he said. Yes. Parker stood up, embarrassed by all the thoughts that had just rushed through her mind. I'm Parker, she said. Parker Duval, Julie's friend. His gaze remained on her. It wasn't a gawk, though. Just a half squint, as if he was trying to figure out something about her. Then he cleared his throat and took his took her clipboard. Oh, right. Julie mentioned you'd be coming by. Come on in and sit down. <laughs> He's yeah. seen Julie. I mean, like, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, he's she, and Julie's like, I'm Parker. And he's just like, oh, shit. This is weird. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of little touches like you're referring to. It's like she's being she's being very careful. Like I said, she's doing a bit of a thing. At one point, Parker refers to her scar. She points at them and he's just like, I don't, I don't see, any see scars. your scar. Yeah. Which she thinks he's just being like, I don't know, nice. gallant or something. Yeah. 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 And he's just like, I'm sorry, Parker. It's just that Julia's told me a little about you. And I have to admit, I'm a little surprised you came today. <laughs> Well, I also, love this. I completely love this. I am always a sucker for our, uh, you know, your, your Tyler Durden, your Mr. Robot Tulpa situation. Hmm. Yeah. And, and you have to abandon any, like, this is not, like I said, the subtext is text. You have to abandon any hope that they're two different people because if she weren't Julie, this guy wouldn't keep starting off everything with, well, Julie said, or yeah. Julie mentioned this, you know, he's, he is straight up like, I don't know. He's throwing it right back at her, trying to play it safe here. But so the idea is that Parker's dad felt antagonized by her being a normal teenage girl and beat her. He's in jail now. Well, uh, we find out that Parker used to be, she, Parker had another best friend besides Julie. Uh, she used to be friends with Nolan Hotchkiss, but that night, the night of the attack, he gave me oxy, even though he knew my dad would kill me. Yes, literally, your dad killed you uh, so, if he ever caught me high. So she mentions before that she mentions a friend being responsible. He immediately assumes she means Julie. Mm-hmm. Also, I th- like, well, no Nolan. I and think, I would just be like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Yeah. I think we talked in the last episode. We were like kind of tracking motives, and like Julie didn't have one other than what Nolan did to Parker. Yeah. And that's that is her motive. What Nolan did to Parker. Yeah, yeah. 
So he goes into the whole PTSD um, uh, spiel. He wants her to focus on something real when she feels the headache or feels the trauma coming back. He wants her to examine her own behavior and systems to see if they're helping or hurting her, which is, I don't, I'm trying to, I was trying to like, I had to like pause and think like, how does that affect a person who's of two minds on a situation? Um, I think we see where he goes with it. And the next time they interact, oh, um, it's intense. Yeah. So she, she feels like a human, not a lost cause when she's dealing with this guy. Um, and then like, she refers to her scars about 20 more times. I like how she mentions, um, she's kind of describing, you know, how often uh, she has these spells, these panic attacks. And she says, sometimes it's hard for me to remember things. Uh, there's huge gaps because yeah, like you like only occasionally exist basically. Yeah. Kind of, I don't know, like, I don't know. She's like a, a stress situation that is like the stress brings it on and Julie or like, I don't know. And you know, we don't know exactly how she manifests, but she's not always there. It's interesting when she refers to the memory gaps later in this, this middle section. So chapter 12, um, we're going to Mackenzie. She's oh. going to go see, Real quick, just before we get into that, there is this moment which, like, maybe this is just misdirection because we have like the Mister Granger stuff too, where like she's like suddenly she felt his hand on hers; it was warm and slightly callous near the tips. So he played an instrument in his spare time. He gave her hand a quick squeeze and then let go. Like, is that something a shrink would normally do? I don't know. Seems a little intimate. Well, especially with a teenage girl, because I think the first time I was reading this, I was not keyed into the Tulpa thing. Really? ironically okay. enough yeah and i was just like are we doing two like like you know adults with teenager plot lines in one book like is it just like like doubling up on that but uh yeah apparently not so, so when you drive into beacon heights the uh sign on the the, the little, little tagline underneath welcome to beacon heights just says grass on the field yeah the same thing same thing when you drive into rosewood um yeah, well, I was also like carrying into this chapter, like, are we setting up something where we're supposed to like subtly wonder about this guy? Because maybe, maybe, maybe like Nolan also had a therapist, but I was like, I don't care. I'm all about Parker now. Parker's my my jam. Um, so chapter 12, Mackenzie's <laughs> going to go see. Huh? Parker's our jam. So yeah, Mackenzie. Yeah. <laughs> now that we're in high gear, let's take it down to snooze. My, my only interest in this chapter is like, I'm trying to decide whether or not, uh, what's this dude's name? Blake? Blake is Blake a fuck boy like did he tell the other people not to come did he set this up is that would that be worse than Blake's whole retcon potential retcon of the situation that led to oh, do you think he's making it up I feel like Blake is going for whatever Blake can get so anyway this chapter very briefly Mackenzie's Mac is going over to uh, Blake's house. There's supposed to be a whole band practice for their like weird, like, I don't know, cello cover band that they have. Um, and then like the other band members aren't there. And she's like, Oh, I wonder if he told him not to come. And then eventually they start talking and she finds out, is this where they find out mm, about I the, so. um, like she finds out that Claire, Claire told her that, uh, he kissed her, but it turns out, according to him, that like Claire kissed him after he'd asked about Mackenzie and whether or not he could get with her. It's some real gin from To All the Boys shit going on here. Yeah, so basically, he claims that I think that he he had told Claire that he was into Mackenzie, and Claire had said like she's into somebody else. Um, and so that's when Claire like threw herself at this dude at the Disneyland trip three years ago. Yeah, and it's like. Is Claire just a conniving friend who totally screwed Mac over? 
or is Blake making this up because it's like a convenient thing that she would want to hear to like continue. Cause I mean the, this chapter ends. It's like for once she wasn't worrying about how she looked or sounded or about mm. what she was doing to Claire. She wasn't thinking about anything but Blake's lips, Blake's hands and Blake's body. In that moment, nothing and no one existed except her and the boy she'd loved for so many years afar. Did they fuck? That's a good question. Cause um, I mean this, this could just be Blake's move here. He's like, I knew the, the the friend was into me too. I can make this happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's trying to get a little Mac attack. It was his his line is that he's in the Mackenzie because she's so Mackenzie. Um, I need more. I need yeah. more from the guy whose whose doorbell chime is Beethoven's fifth symphony. Let me, let me tell you something else. I need I need less. I, I don't need this at all. I just need <laughs> Julian Parker really. That's fair. Well, this this so I cannot relate to this at all because they're fucking concerned about their Juilliard edition. Yeah, the point where Max says that she's she has a a family connection to Juilliard and she could ask advice, but she's more concerned with like cheating by asking this friend. I was like, come on, Mackenzie, you're you're fucking boring. Yeah, fucking band nerd. Um, yeah, I don't know if these two fucked, but because Mackenzie's not any more interesting later on. Like she doesn't have that glow. Like bluebirds aren't helping her dress. That's She's true. Like we don't. I don't know if we get another. Do we get another thing from her perspective here? I'm not sure if we do. I don't think we do. Yeah. Because I mean, she doesn't even interject with like, "Hey guys, I know it's pretty serious. Well, like, shit's they're not all friends." Yeah, the, yeah. She would never say like, "I got laid," because they're she's not really friends with any of these other people, so she wouldn't tell them that. Can we just flash back to a moment in PLL season two where Arya's like, "Could you not sit there? It's kind of uh, a holy." Kind of sacred ground, yeah. <laughs> so chapter 13, we're back to Ava. She shows up the film class. There's Mr. Granger. They're going to watch The Bad Seed, which can I just talk about? I think I mentioned before, like uh, watching the remake of Rob Lowe. Holy shit, that was wild. Oh, yeah. Um, which starred in addition to Rob Lowe, who I feel like part of his contract was he didn't have to actually act. He could just show up. I was, this bothered me. There's a little girl named McKenna Grace. Who's in that, that bad seed remake. I don't know why it was driving me. That's who she is. She's little Theo from the haunting of Hill house. Anyway, also Dr. Faye. You remember Dr. Faye? She was in that too. I don't remember Dr. Faye now. You don't remember Dr. Faye from Mad Men? Oh, uh, like season four. Yeah. Dr. Faye. Yeah. Anyway, so Granger's really hitting it home in his discussion of the movie's themes that Beacon Heights is full of perfection. All these kids are perfectly fucked up, which is a little on the nose, Mr. Teacher Man. Um, after class, Ava confronts Granger about her essay that got her a C. He apparently smells citrusy, like tangerines left out in the sun. Well, he has a Look. weird line here where he's like, perhaps you're at a disadvantage because of your group. What does he mean by that? Like, is he, does he think, like, does he sense that Julie is insane? Like, I don't know. Maybe it means nothing. Well, I don't recall. Cause I know they talked about other people's groups. Mm-hmm. I want to say where other groups just made up of four people. We'll get to that later. Okay. Um, yeah. So she wants to rewrite her essay. He offers to meet with her about it at his place. What um, about also- my house? I'm just a few blocks from here. I also, I have a book on villains by Chuck Klosterman. I'd really like to lend you. Wow. Oh. Yeah, that's rough. Oh, man. That's, that's, I don't know when this came out, but that feels. Phil, not only Phil Bros, who like Chuck Klosterman, that just stay away. Mm-hmm. No, she's in high school. She doesn't know any better yet. Um, 
have to say this is how she finds out. So the cop shows up, takes her down to the station. He keeps giving her shit like he's testing the idea that she might be guilty of something. Dude, this cop comes at her pretty hard. Well, with no parents present, too. Yeah, Uh, he's like, you weren't mad at Nolan for some reason? Because I heard you two had a bad breakup. Also... The cop mentions that they're not legally permitted to question students on school ground. And I was like, is that real? Is that a real rule? I want to hear more about real. that. Um, I feel like it'd be the like, reverse, but I don't know. Yeah. The, especially if there's not a teacher, a, 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 like a parental guidance you know, present. Uh, the cop says that there's a lot of eyewitness reports that she was on the dance floor with Nolan that night. That she was the last person anyone saw with him. They were all over each other. And then she kind of flashes back to when Nolan had his hot body pressed up against her. Um, she has the cop to being a flirt with the cop. That that was a weird sense. She says she admits to the cop that she's a bit of a flirt. Um, and he's like, "There's rumors that you're more than just a flirt." Yeah, I heard you had a bad breakup. Fuck. Um, so they know that the cops know that no one went upstairs with some girl, and she's like, "I don't know." Um, and then it drives her back to school. Nah, yeah, she's a, she's getting more paranoid. I mean, I guess like Ava seems like she's sort of the main character here, but she's kind of dull. Which is weird because you're trying to make Ava happen, and yet Julian Parker's where like the, yeah. the shit is. And there's there's more meat to the Caitlin bones than there is the Ava bones. Yeah, her her um her issue with Nolan is not particularly interesting. Like I got Ava. good grades and he said it was because I slept with teachers. Oh, well, the whole, the whole power structure of like the Nolan Hotchkiss ecosystem, of this high school doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't In know. what anyway, way? Uh, just the, the, like, what is cool about Nolan Hotchkiss? Is it just that he's got money and power? Like, where does this, I, mean, I think he's like a rich BMOC. Top? You know, I think, I think if Nolan, I'm guessing Nolan's on like the lacrosse team or something. I'm, I'm sure if Nolan was like some little like point Dexter geek, he wouldn't mm-hmm. have the status, but because he's like, like the big time jock and he's also super rich, he just kind of rules the school is my guess. Cause I feel like the richer your general population is like the more just dumb bullshit affectations you have to buy into with kids like i I assume that's how there's any kind of school in any kind of fictional world where it's like you look at a chuck bass and don't think that's a ridiculous 16 year old boy yeah uh and that's the thing with nolan hodgkiss like the the noah the pilot i almost feel like he should be a little more eccentric you know what i mean like what if he had a weird scarf what if he wore a beret i'm half joking but i'm half serious Hmm. anyway let's talk um, about chapter 14 we we get some more from Josh. This is a Caitlin chapter. Fucking Josh Friday here. This dude sucks. Yeah. Let me let me so let, let me read to you Josh's like cool story, bro. Here, uh, yeah. he's talking about like a soccer game that happened like a year ago, and he's like, anyway. So the clock is ticking, and this guy is uh-huh. huge and fast and heading straight for the goal. No one else is even close to him. And he paused dramatically. I'm the only one who's got a chance to stop him. Cool story, bro. Who gives a shit? quite a raconteur um yeah. also the sadder part is caitlin's like by the way all the people present were here for this so they know exactly yeah, no. how the story ends <laughs> they all know what happens um yeah i had to really remind myself what was going on with caitlin and josh friday and jeremy saturday anyway so caitlin and josh's families are out to dinner at uh caitlin's house yeah it's at caitlin's house there's this really creepy thing where like 
Josh like pulls out like this like little velvet box and he's like super confident oh, like sliding it to, over to her and Caitlin's like oh fuck and then like yeah. she's looking around the table and like like his dad is has this like creepy knowing smile and like her moms are both like totally into it like oh, what's going on here you know and it's like everyone's like it's like they want them to get engaged already or something yeah yeah uh, Jeremy's not there, but Caitlin is thinking about their almost kiss quite a bit. Uh, she's also thinking. About I mean, you know, you know, Josh Friday sucks when she's like your anime loving brother is where it's at. I wrote down in my notes a reminder to suppress a rant about anime because <laughs> that that fire was refueled recently. And anyway, um, it's a pendant. It's like a chunk of turf from a soccer field somewhere in a glass ball and a gold chain. I hate this guy. Um, there's some good LOLs there as Caitlin realizes that her parents are kind of like gagging for her to get engaged to this fucking dude right there, right then and there. She recognizes the gesture. I feel like it's her parents are fucking trapped. weird. Can we just say like yeah. her parents both appear to like suspect her of murder like immediately yeah. and yeah. they're like want her to get engaged as soon as possible. A reminder that her parents are Sybil and Mary Ann. Yeah, they really think that she's a murderess and they want her to get engaged. I don't, I don't know if that's going to make her safe. Do they think, anyway, she, yeah, she it's like, uh, you, like your husband true. can't testify against you or something. He'll provide yeah, you with an I, alibi. I, the, as a high school girl, she's like, I know this is supposed to be nice. It makes me feel trapped. That's oh, like, shit. <laughs> yeah. So she says to her boyfriend, thanks. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm going to uh, run upstairs. Yeah, she immediately excuses herself, runs to her dead brother's room. All the shit's there. The room is exactly as it would left it. She flashes back to how he looked when he was in there, like painting his D&D figurines. Um, then she remembers that her that Nolan had locked her brother into a locker for three hours. Uh, this is documented in the brother's suicide note, which I had forgotten had a title, which is Reasons Death is Better Than School. That's epic. I did find it a little strange that the brother like had friends, but still... Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't get past this. I don't know. Also, uh, another of Nolan's greatest hits. Nolan had once stomped on her brother Taylor's iPhone in front of him. Also, how do you not just ripped- like fucking go to the principal with that and be like, this asshole broke my iPhone? Yeah, that's that's an expensive thing yeah. right there. Ripped out pages of Taylor's Wheel of Time book right in front of him, which, okay, on one hand, Fair. LOL. Other hand, dick move. Um, and then he, he uh, just in general, Nolan Hodgkiss bullies like a sixth grader. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, that's my other. There is a about. mention of uh, a flashback to the party here, and we, uh, she's thinking, uh, no wonder uh, she, meaning Caitlin, had taken Julie's uh, Julie by the arm, and they all convened at Nolan's stairs. So she interacted with Julie there. We know that for sure. No mention of Parker. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Marianne, because I think Sybil had a heart to heart with uh, Caitlin in the previous. Sybil is the one who was like. I hope you didn't do anything stupid because you're like want vengeance or something like that was like her vibe, you know? Yeah. Sybil with her name. I was like, that's on the nose for the whole Parker situation, even though she's not Parker's <laughs> mom. Um, so yeah, Marianne comes to see her. Marianne is a fountain of information that, Oh, BT dubs. The cops have subpoenaed the local pharmacies and they all like, they know all the kids who have oxy prescriptions. So Marianne wants what's left of Caitlin's stash and is worried about the cops asking her questions. So Caitlin goes on a whole paranoid tear, wondering if there's like trackers and oxy bottles and that the bottle like tracked that she went to Nolan's and put the pill in his drink. 
Yes, we know it was Caitlin's oxy. There's this like kind of funny, just like horrible non-denial here from her mom when Caitlin's just like, do you think I had something to do with what happened to him? And she's like, no, honey, I'm not accusing you of anything. I just, well, you haven't been yourself lately. And Coach Leah called and said she had to, she had to kick you out of practice the other day. Sometimes that medication causes changes in people. I would just rather have the pills. Okay, just in case. Wow. Thanks for the endorsement, mom. Yeah, that's like uh, that's like one of like Veronica Hastings' low points. Yeah, so Caitlin knows the cops are going to call her in. It's only a matter of time. Um, and of course, she knows she's a little bit fucked because already her mother's wondering if she's involved. Anyway, so chapter 15, let's get back to Parker. Oh, yeah, uh, back to Parker, who's gone home. Uh, it felt weird to be sitting here. She hated coming home so much that she rarely she was rarely here anymore. Really? South Kenwood. Rarely here anymore. Okay. Yeah. She town called South Kenwood, which is outside of Beacon Heights. Uh, so her mom moved after dad went to jail. Uh, Parker says she's been feeling paranoid lately. School's crawling of cops. Kids are turning over names of their rivals to get the heat off themselves. Uh, Parker says that she sees eyes everywhere. She references Ava's call to them, the meaning the, the perfectionists, about the cops seeing someone heading upstairs with no one on, on that night, which I love that they, they check in with like Ava. Like Ava's the one who's called all of them. Like trying the, to keep the spy Ava craft like is the, not great. Yeah, but trying to keep Ava as like the uh, the the I don't know the leader. Yeah, the alpha the leader. Yeah. Um, so the cops haven't talked to Parker yet because she's not real. Um, she doesn't know if she can trust her new friend. She's not worried about Julie, but she knows Caitlin hated Nolan because he essentially killed her brother. She doesn't know about Mackenzie because she's boring. She figures Ava will give them up since the cops are already sniffing after her. And then Parker said, or the line from the book is Parker doubted the princess would hold up well in jail. Mm like that uh so parker's on the porch when parker's mom shows up with groceries this is where it gets good the mom's like what uh, are you doing here yeah yeah <laughs> parker <laughs> made a child. face nice to see you too yeah parker's mom has worn the same long sleeve shirts and yoga pants every day which only gets baggier as she gets bonier uh but she never calls this entity parker oh she says are you just going to sit here on the porch all day hmm and then this is Parker speaking, talking to, you know, this is Julie speaking, really, talking to the mother, saying, you're the one who messed up, you know. She sputtered, not sure what had come over her. Maybe it was her talk with Elliot, but she felt bolder than usual. It's a mother's job to protect her family, but you just let it happen. Doesn't that kind of sound like somebody who's not the daughter talking? Listen, when inevitably, as this story was destined to end and you die tragically, and I assume, I don't know, like a third of your personality uh-huh. is my own. And then I go to visit your parents and like I complain to them, this is their fault. Um, we're going to have a great jaw session about all that. At some point, either your mom or dad are going to be like, you know what? Fuck you. Get off my porch. Yeah. Well, the real Parker's mom says, Jesus Christ, haven't you done enough already? And she like slams the door and locks it behind her. Yeah. Because that's truly not Parker. Yeah. So anyways. Air quotes, Parker's going back to Julie's. She remembers something from before her accident. And of course, this memory is attached to Julie, um, who's on the phone of her. Oh, that reminds uh, me. There's a there's kind of a weird moment here where she their skin prickles and she thinks somebody's watching her again. She like sees like a Nissan drive by and she can't make out the face, but it looked like a man, almost like her father. Yeah. Could that be maybe Julie's father? Like I, that detail stood out to me. I'm like, why is that there? I think it's still probably parker's dad i feel like we need more of an we need to find out there was more of an interaction between actual julie and parker's dad i think it's not so just parker's, enough that she knows 
Parker's like I, Parker's told her that her dad did all these things to her. I, I, I assume I assume the the reality here is that Parker's dad beat her to death and went to jail. Right, right. But my my point is, it's I feel like we need like a really like a flashback to a really bad encounter between Julie and Parker's dad. Oh, okay. To put a little more face onto the native fear of Julie that's pretending to be Parker, whatever. Um, so she has this flashback where she air quotes Parker is having an incident with her dad. But in the flashback, in this quote-unquote memory, she's attached to Julie because she's on the phone with Julie. So hence actual Julie, who this is all consisting of the mind of. Oh, I feel like well, I'm setting myself. It's a great knows. bit where she calls Dr. Fielder. And he well, goes, so, hold on. so the, okay. the dad comes home and instead of like running to her room, like always, she stands her ground, stays in the kitchen on the phone of Julie because Julie's her fucking umbilical cord. And then the dad attacks her, kicks her in the ribs. He's apparently learned to hurt her in places where others couldn't see it. And then this fucking mom just comes in and puts some like cold, like frozen peas on her ribs and tells her, you know, really, you should stay out of your dad's way. Also, Parker Sorry. keeps hearing noises like snap noises. Cameras. This is my my theory is that this is the doctor. I don't know. I could be wrong, but my or maybe the cops. But I think somebody is actually following Julie around and taking, taking pictures. pictures? Of her. Yeah, maybe they're going to confront oh, you know her with the pictures. It could be Granger. Maybe that's the Zace in the hole. Oh yeah, Granger's a weird photo boy. Yeah, he's a photographer. Um, anyway, at one point she she starts to freak out. She calls uh, Doctor Fielder there, Parker. His, his first comment is Julie. Elliot said uncertainly. That no, it's Parker. Parker Duvall. Ah, Parker. Of course. Yeah, because I was always confused when I didn't know like who was calling me, James or Ben Jamesio, and I'm yeah. like, uh, I was like Ben Jamesio, and you're like, no, it's James. Who are you? Who are you talking to? And it's, I'm like, it's not going to happen. It's happening. Yeah. Buy these shirts. I have it's too just, many of them. I feel like no one sees me. What's weird is that the Parker persona kind of behaves like a ghost that doesn't know she's a ghost, and that like Ooh. is worried that like she's fading away. Ooh, I wish I. I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think I, so, but I would love for her to be an actual That's ghost. the vibe I get from Parker is less Ooh, of a dissociative. I get yeah. less of a dissociative identity so much as like kind of like a, a, a dark passenger. So, so it's not just that somebody had a lot of notes about PLL. They also had notes about Ravenswood. <laughs> <laughs> what if, what if we sent the hacker to the ghost town <laughs> where his skills will be virtually unnecessary? Oh shit! My show got canceled. Goddamn we shippers! Got the same haircut and everything. Um, so this guy like talks her through a panic attack, but not really. Um, she seems to be really soothed by this dude. Um, she feels she says she feels like she's slipping away. He wants to move up her appointment. Tells her to call anytime. She's thrilled. Um, then the cop drives by, and then realizes the cops might bust her and the other perfectionists before she can be saved by the therapist or whatever. Okay, chapter sixteen. It's an Ava chapter. Ava's a big fucking dork. There's a mention right at the beginning where she's like driving past her boyfriend's house and she like waves at the house, even though she knows he's at the mall shopping for a new pair of vans. I don't get the, I don't know. There's, there's always a period like in like a really awesome person's life where they just seem so into their super dorky, lame significant other. And you're just like, okay, are they funny? Um, Mm. Also, here's what you need to know about Mr. Granger. I'm going to sum it all up right for you. This dude lives on Shady Wood Road. <laughs> I can't help but think Mr. Granger is some sort of response to Ezra Fitz and the, the Fitz phenomenon of PLL like the co- show. Oh, you think she's like covering her ass a little bit? 
Well, she covered her ass fine in the PLL books. Like Ezra Fitz got got a dodge, okay. yeah. But good I good I can't help but feel like this is some sort of response to the Ezra Fitz PLL show character because this guy is kind of like Ezra Fitz as he really is, just like this predatory monster who's an asshole. Mm-hmm. He's Here's he's got a thing. lot of the same affectations. He's got like like when she describes some of the shit he has on his house here. Mm-hmm. But like more more blatantly film related. Yeah. Like for all the people who like like really ship Ezria, like they really think this is like some kind of princess bride ass fucking romantic adventure, like this is more what it really looks like. Like outside of your magical rose colored moron glasses, no offense, moron glasses, like this is what it really looks I mean, like. And that that's what this uh, whole chapter feels like. This chapter should have been like I said, I would that. I would love to get Sarah Shepherd on the pod to ask her about this book. Um, also extra, extra dorky thing about Ava, who's just like full fledged throwing her whole body into like studenting. She's got a backpack full of spiral notebooks, a laptop and index cards. Um, she is coming to this guy's house. She's coming to this guy's house just for some feedbacks on an essay. Um, yeah, so he's got a bunch of film noir posters, some ancient looking cameras and an old film projector on a side table. She sees the projector. She asks if it actually works. He says, yes. She says that she'd love to see a film projected with it. Then she realizes that she's basically inviting herself back over, which is when I got like, ooh, early Aria, Aria vibes. Yeah. Um, well, there's then, a couple passages here. Like, he's like, I didn't give you a C because of your work was bad. I gave it to you because I know you can do better. You're special. I expect more from you than I do the other kids in class. Fuck that. I can start you grade the fucking work, man. Maybe it's because I'm an adult, but no one's special. No one. Um, yeah, so she she catches the dude checking her out. The book actually uses the words her ample cleavage. I know. But then she feels well, it's like this is like, like her inner monologue and she's talking about her ample cleavage. Okay, Eva, we see you. But then she beats herself up because she's like, I feel self-conscious, but maybe I'm just too sensitive. And you're never too sensitive. Be sensitive. Be sensitive as fuck. Why did you um, bring your laptop, Ava? Yeah, but hold, that implies that we're going to get cozy and start typing or something. Yeah, I think it's like a thing with like kids these days. They like take notes on their laptop or something, which you shouldn't do. What do you, what do you need all the spiral notebooks and the notepads for then? You know what I mean? Like you're not blocking out a scene. What the fuck are you doing? Anyway, but holy fucking shades of Ezra. He asks her about her writing that she does just for herself. And she all but says it's mostly personal. Oh, yeah. She says narrative nonfiction, which is the new it's mostly personal. Well, this God guy's damn, like, look. can I make you a pot of cafe Vita coffee? Best in all of oh, Seattle. Hold on. So first, this is this is the move that is most egregious. He asks if her boyfriend has read her writing, and she says, no, not yet. Then he stresses that he would like to read it. Oh, yeah. And he tells her that she's beautiful and brilliant. And I just I just pause, and I was just like, run, girl, run. Um, she recognizes that's icky, that a teacher shouldn't be commenting upon and or noticing her look, so they take it back to the paper or try to. Then, yeah. Kathy. Well, she's looking around the kitchen. He's got all this photography shit. Like, I, th- I think it's like, Oh, sorry, I forgot to clean this all my like photography hobby up from the like kitchen island or whatever. Like it seems like he's flaunting it in front of her kind of like look how cool I am. Check me out, bitch. I'm Charles yeah. Liddell here. I've got yeah. a Marlene Dietrich poster for no reason. Whatever. Um whatever. Um so she's Myra's kitchen. This motherfucker leaves his phone down. Also so does not use a lock screen code or anything, yeah. Nope. 
gets a text message, and on the lock screen, she can see the picture message that has boobies. She recognizes those boobies as being in their film classroom because there's the Familia Casablanca poster behind the boobies. Um, damn, who is like, man, I'm in class. My teacher that I'm having some kind of inappropriate relationships not here. I'll stand in front of this fucking Rick and Elsa poster. I mean, I, I guess if you're the kind of person who already knows they're in like a immoral and like scandalous relationship, mm-hmm. you're going to do the selfie at a place where it's like especially, you know, dangerous or but, whatever. Reminder, though, the person you're talking about who might recognize that they're in an in a immoral and scandalous relationship is a teenager. But I think they... I they think are not even, a teenager. To, I know. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying a teenager. They're gonna know at some level that this is like scandalous, right? And so yeah. they want to. You, you want to play hot. that up and be like, "Oh man, I just took like a, a nude selfie in your classroom. Like, how daring am I?" What is the what is the weird erudite like next level intellectual film reference that you want to work into your nude selfie. I'm just curious. I just want to pull the room. Oh, I have it. I have the quote highlighted here. It's have you ever seen La Dolce Vita? (laughs) Which is, (laughs) you got to watch out for those dudes, which is some basic bitch film referencing, Mm. especially when you're trying to like hit on a girl. Um, God, I mean, at least he's not making like eight and a half jokes wink um so like she goes to the dude's phone there's message after message of boobies and sex messages this guy's a fucking anthony wiener but he, and especially he's got one from nolan hotchkiss bum 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 this is like well, the first time in the book that i was like oh nolan hotchkiss is slightly interesting well at first i was like oh this is getting like kind of filthy maybe this is where the show got it. also she recognizes some of the girls by the little details i like that aspect that felt real to me that she was like, oh, I recognize this chick's belt buckle. I recognize Texas this belt buckle. Hang it up, Jenny Thiel. <laughs> this, is, this is the moment where, like, I think we were complaining in the last one about, like, the constant, like, like bombardment of, like, here's random high school students that will never know in yeah. this book. This is when I started to love it. <laughs> yeah. Then she gets the I mean, message, this dude is, He's got the, the chick with the Texas belt buckle. He's got the Chanel tote. He's got the... Att- henna tattooed hands he's he's getting them all yeah i i think i've told this story in the podcast before about senior year my super young algebra two for seniors teacher because i was bad at math i wasn't even algebra two was, I was, that, class was that the full name of the class algebra two for seniors who were bad yeah, at math was, no it was a special class for for seniors who needed algebra two it was a little bit more maybe maybe uh, the title is algebra two for seniors because you're bad at math I felt that way. We were in the basement level, but there was no windows. And over the course, I can tell you more about this class. It's fascinating. But over the course of the class, I realized that the teacher was having a thing with the girl sitting to the left of me and the girl sitting to the right of me. Mm-hmm. And then after a couple months, the girl sitting to the left of me no longer came to class. Oh, and I, because I wish, oh, I don't know. I wish that 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 had stuck with me more. As I really started thinking about it a lot as we got into PLL. Anyway, um. She puts the phone. She sees the text from Nolan Hodges. It's a video. The video is of Granger with a girl in his classroom talking about the La Dolce Vita. His whole thing is the fucking fountain scene. And ooh, wouldn't it be fun to reenact that high school girl? Which, if you haven't seen the movie, that's not like a sexy scenario to bring up. Like, let's go prance on a fucking yeah. fountain in Italy. God damn. Never made it through that movie, to be honest. Well, okay. 
So yeah, there's a kind of it bit here. Where, so well, she's she's watching this video that's happening, and then like she's watching Justine's face, which the description here is pretty gross. Like, and, and Ava's grossed out. It's like she looks uncomfortable and excited all at once. Even it's like yeah. she's hopeful, even though she knows it's wrong. Uh, and then the camera like turns around to show you who's filming, and it's Nolan Hotchkiss like standing outside in the hall, and he's got like this like creepy grin on his face, and he's like, "Ooh, teacher." You give such good extra credit assignments. Speaking of assignments, I've got one or two for you. If you don't want this going public, you'd better pay attention. Which, like, this was the first time I was like, huh, okay, tell me more about Nolan. Before, I didn't really care. Well, why the fuck is this Nolan being like, hey, Geekazoid, what are you reading? Wheel of Time? Let me rip out, like, chapter five. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, this Nolan seems a little more sophisticated, I guess. Yeah. Um, she read wheel of time don't don't answer that yeah. anyway eventually uh granger comes back and she, she's put the phone down just in time and she's like so fucking freaked out at this point because uh, it's like nolan might have been blackmailing granger that's motive uh she runs to the bathroom happens to look in the medicine cabinet and oh look at that he's got an oxycontin uh prescription 20 milligrams damn take his directed what does this guy need that for obviously this was written before the opioid epidemic but you're you're wishing that he would sell you some pills. I don't buy pills. I accept them. Uh, so Granger's smile <laughs> is very twitchy here. That's even creepy. He's like, I made because t- she wants to leave, and he's like, I made time for you now, Eva. You're being yeah, rude, yeah. and she's looking at him, and she's kind of like registering like this very unteacherly tone. It's like he's totally confident. He's not guilty. He's not like sheepish at all. Like it goes from a four to a nine pretty yeah. quickly. And he's like, I know the rumors about you are true, Ava. And I had Sam disappointed that you do this for other teachers, but not for me. Ugh, what a fucking creep. Well, he's 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 like, again, four to nine. She's like trying to remind him that she's a, a you know, a young woman of, who's a child. She's got parents. She's got a father who killed him. She also has a boyfriend. And he's like, well, I miss Jalali. And he's big what and he'll kick the shit out of you. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think it is I'm suggesting here? And then he goes straight into like, I know you do this for other teachers. What the fuck? Uh, but like, yeah, so I think the re- this chapter actually became very interesting. Like finally the Ava character, I hate to say this is where I was like a little more invested, but like her eyes are open because she starts to realize like, oh shit, what if this motherfucker has been giving me A's all year because he's just goddamn grooming me. And she starts to wonder, like, you know, like, she starts to doubt herself. Like, why the fuck have I been trying so hard in school? Because it just made me a better target for creeps. Like, it gets very real here. Mm-hmm. Um, so she runs out to her car. She speeds off. She drives for a while, pulls over, and just, like, puts her head in the steering wheel and starts crying. And it's, like, brutal. But, yeah, you can't – I don't know. It's a PLL podcast, guys. You can't help but think about, you know, that couple. Yeah. Uh, chapter 17, we're back with Julie. I think this is – Julie's chapter and Parker's is hanging around, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Julie is, yeah, Julie's in her own room, and Parker is painting her nails black and rocking out to some Adele, which is some normal teenage topo bullshit. Well, it's mentioned, Parker says is, she's sitting on Julie's second twin bed. Why does Julie have two twin beds? Uh, don't you have a second bed for your imaginary friend? No. Um, I do. It's where we do our Greco Roman fucking. Julie gets a uh, text from Carson here. Can we analyze this text? I found it fascinating. Please open it up. It starts out, you like sushi? Question mark with the letter U. Mm. So it's like very cash, right? Mm-hmm. You like sushi. Mm-hmm. And then he says, was thinking of checking out Maru's. 
So it's like weirdly passive aggressive. It's like I'm kind of asking you out, but I'm also just saying I was going there anyway. What would you say if I told you I haven't seen Evil Dead 2 yet? This this like text, uh, you know, request, I feel like it's a little too casual. And then he's just like tomorrow question mark. It's I don't know. It feels like he's trying too hard to mm-hmm. both ask yeah. out, but like pretend like he's not really asking out at the same time. This is this is a Ben James move. What would you do? I don't know, man. What's your what's well, your I wouldn't go to sushi. That's for sure. I just that's don't true. like sushi. What's your what's your first date etiquette? What are you, how are you texting it? Where are you going? I have no pretend idea. I'm pretend I'm the lucky young lady. Where are we, where are we going? Just, how, how you, you how you up? approaching me, girl? <laughs> you up? You ain't getting none. Yeah, ASL. Come on, romance me, romance me. Yes, right. take it easy. Um, yeah. So she has a rule: no boyfriends. Um, the Parker of all people tells her to live a little. <laughs> I love when your dead imaginary friend is like. Damn, bitch. Well, Ava calls. She puts her on speaker. She got that stick already. Julie puts her on speaker. And it's like mm-hmm. Parker's chiming in here, but it's clearly actually just Julie talking. Like, because at one yeah. point she's like, I can't believe you went to his house. And Ava's like, I know how it looks, you know. And, and Julie says, we believe you, which is kind of an insane thing to say. That might be the one cheat here if she says we. Yeah. Well... This is where I was confused. Oh wait, no, because Caitlin's here as well. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all the girls are on the on the the group call. Yeah, I remember those. Um, yeah, Julie's worried. Oh, so I'm sorry. I have a weird note here that I'm trying to put into context mm. of the book. Um, you like sushi? I think... <laughs> was thinking of checking out Maru's tomorrow. Just like, oh, oh, yeah. So let me let me run just a second. I'm sorry. Julie's worried about Carson finding about her mom. And what that would do to her reputation, um, you know, like Taylor Swift said. And then she mentions like Ava and Parker. Like she reasons like, remember how popular those girls were and they can be taken down. And there's like this kind of like reverse hashtag me too thing about like, oh, shit, you can take down. Uh, also, Ava's ringtone on Julie's phone is Firework by Katy Perry. I don't know why I feel compelled to, to bring out these like pop culture references that are so dated and only getting more dated. Do you yeah, think so- that's Julie's? caller id ringtone like just for ava or just for everyone i thought that's what they implied it was just for ava hmm. what's mine on your phone oh you know is it the imperial march or is that your family no no that's my boss and it's no it's the asteroid field not the imperial march no you are um a stroke song you only live once oh wow well, that's weird hmm. i just realized i don't i don't know what yours is on my new phone Relax. It might not be. I'm sorry, continue on. Anyways. Oh, no. You're definitely something to me. Okay. Oh, can you guess what your song is? I just looked it up. Can you guess what your song is? I cannot. It's In a Big Country by Big Country. That's a good song. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Um, I'm not well, expecting to grow flowers in the desert, you know? Oh, I just forgot the next line of the song. I, damn, I can had- live and breathe and see the sun in wintertime. Oh, uh, it's I'm not expecting to take the smile from anyone's face. That's mm-hmm. the uh, that's the line I always think. about. Oh, I am. Really? How are your what's your drink situation? How many beers are we in here? About two and a half. Julie okay. cleared her throat, her gaze drifting to Nolan across the room. This is in a flashback. Mm-hmm. He was in a group with Ursula, who's Ava's boyfriend. Oh, I'm sorry. Ursula. And then Ava's boyfriend, Alex. 
and a meet girl named Renee Foley. And they all look miserable. I count four people in that group, but somehow there are five people in Ava's group or in Julie's group because uh, mm-hmm. Parker's there and she's not real. Mm-hmm. Which makes me wonder, was there just happened to be like an empty desk, like a fifth desk that's empty sitting right there? Yeah, I don't know what. I'm just oh, curious. Parker, it should be noted, is the one who suggests cyanide. Is it cyanide or the oxy? Oh, no, it's cyanide like in the movie, and then there were none. Oh, wait, no, actually, I am mistaken. Um, it looks like Caitlin is the one who suggests cyanide. So, so correction. Parker suggests they prank him instead. Yeah. Get him knocked out on party pills, get a Sharpie, take his pants down, take some silly pictures. I don't think they get his pants down. Um, I'm surprised they didn't. That would have been more humiliating than writing shit on his face. But yeah. Yeah. Like you think they would have just like, I don't know, drawn a bunch of dicks on his face or something. Or drawn a bunch of something on his actual dick. Like if he's a grower, not a shower too. Oof. Ended. Um, So Granger walks up at the end of the conversation. So maybe he heard and flashback. Um, I missed the uh, flashback on PLO. So Julie says we believe you. Oh, I'm I'm like I'm like five minutes behind where you are. <laughs> they decide to go to the cops. Caitlin McKenzie are totally in. Avon even offers to like come pick Julie up, but Julie freaks out because she freaks out whenever someone mentions coming by her house. So she says, We'll meet you at the park police station. So 20 minutes later, they all meet at the police station's parking lot. Ava's face is swollen from crying. She's furious, she's resolute. She's worried that Granger might have realized that she saw his phone. Which, yeah, like, what are you leaving your phone around anybody for? Like, what is your situation? Do you ever just like set your phone down somewhere? No, no, I don't. And it's, it's always locked, but I'm not a particularly like guilty guy about my phone, but it's for the same reason. Like etiquette has changed in like the last 10 to 15 years. Your phone is far too personal of an object to have it not protected with a password. You and I have had this conversation many times, but like, Years ago, a stranger saying, situations come up. Can I borrow your phone and make a call? That is not the case now. I don't know you, motherfucker. You no, I, I was hanging out with Erotikus and some other people once. and Some some kid asked us to borrow his phone. He was just like, no. <laughs> I was like, no, yeah. you can't borrow my phone, dude. Like, I feel that. Yeah. I feel that as strong. I feel that as strongly as our much debated conversation about people asking me to move in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Anyway. Um, so the cops, uh, one of the cops is described in the police station as having a dramatically waxed mustache. Yeah, these cops, I can't get a read on them. Is they just, they seem like cartoonish. Yeah, is this guy Hercule Perot. So Detective Peters is there. I think like we only see Detective Peters in this section. But I remember there was two in the last section. He speaks to them in the interrogation room. He's like, sorry, ladies, this is the only place where there's room. Uh, also, Parker the- is here. Well, oh, it's sort like of. Julie felt Parker stiffen. The farther they got from an escape path, the tenser she got. Julie touched Parker's arm comfortingly, willing her to relax. This is this is the real like you're pointing out like Sarah Shepard's like writing craft. This is where it gets really interesting because this is still essentially a Julie chapter. Yeah. So Ava needs to take the lead on this portion of it. But yeah, because it's a Julie chapter, I feel like you can have Parker. Um, well, it's funny. So this, was- this cop is like. Oh, sorry to make you guys sit in the interrogation room. My office isn't big enough. Sure, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. So Ava's trying to tell the cop that she thinks that Granger did the murder because he's been fucking high school girls and was blacked by my Nolan for some reason. Julie's trying to, like, jump in there and get some credit for this caller, like, repeatedly. 
No, she's um Parker is the one jumping in. I thought Julie chimes in a few times. Julie chimes in, but Parker chimes in too and is like, Yeah, Nolan told me that uh like uh Mr. Granger like dated chicks or and they had like pictures on his phone or something like that. Mm. Which like I mean if you read closely it's it's like usually Julie says something and Parker says something right after. And so mm. if you just kind of move those lines up to another attribute there, it's like, okay, yeah, it's just Julie talking the whole time. Well, is it like uh, uh, essentially Julie is more timid. She's setting it up and then Parker steps in and spike it. Yeah, definitely. Um, which is how, sometimes how I kind of wonder about this podcast, because uh-huh. I assumed at this point that you are not real. And it's just like when people download this, they're just hearing the one same voice. Thing. Oh, shit. Am I your Tyler Turner? You're mine. Anywho. Um, we get a little info about uh, what the cops know about the murder. At the end, Detective Peter is perhaps spilling too much. Maybe this is part of his plan. He says, maybe Granger has some things to answer for. Oh, you think? Uh, <laughs> but as far as we're concerned, Nolan's death isn't one of them. I don't know why he's maybe Granger has an alibi or something. I don't know. Uh, and he says, we do have some questions for all of you. Bum, bum, bum. And they're like, oh, shit, we came here to report Granger. And now we're in the hot seat. Classic PLO. Yeah. Yeah, I just wish I had a better read on this cop character. He's no Wilden. Yeah, well, the cop is is I, I keep thinking, like, what does this look like from their perspective? Because we're so mired in the world of these girls. Um, and that's a tricky situation because obviously unreliable narrator of the Julie Parker situation, Ava is starting to slowly confront that like the way she's painted the world isn't the most accurate colors. Caitlin's got her own shit going on and Mackenzie, who knows what she sees because she's boring. Oh, you know, this, um, this next chapter is from Mackenzie's perspective. We just get like nothing really on, uh, on Blake. So we don't know if they banged or not. (laughs) To quote Benjamin Light, you know what I mean? Is less of Blake and all this shit. Yeah. Um, so just, she's trying to wrap her. I, I, I decided that every time I see the word Nolan in this, my mind keeps thinking Christopher Nolan, which maybe makes it more entertaining. As opposed to Nolan from Revenge? Yes. Okay. I'm just imagining so, like Christopher Nolan, like filming a teacher, seducing a student bong. and being like, you're going to owe me. Bong. I'm just picturing Mind Heist playing over all this. Bong. Um, yeah, so Mackenzie's trying to wrap her head around the uh, line from the end of the last chapter. We have some questions for all of you. Detective mentions that they went through Nolan's phone. They found some steamy photos of Mackenzie, which what I don't recall. What the fuck, Detective Peters? Steamy? Come on. You can't be a little well, more professional than that. I feel like steamy is like pseudo film noir safe length. Like, what is he going to say? Uh, we found some, you know, right. miss, miss, uh, whatever McKenzie's last name is. We found some, uh, you know, pic- pictures of you that you might find inappropriate. I don't know. There's, there's gotta be a better way than saying we found some pretty steamy pictures of you in there. Well, I feel like steamy is like a safe, provocative way. I don't think it's that it. safe. It's safe, provocative. Because what is he going to say? Like in the parlance of our times, like real spicy photos, girl. Like in I don't the know. parlance of our times, some nudies. <laughs> we found some real TNA shots here. Oh, some real, some real also, I mean, these girls are all underage. It's just, it's fucking gross. Well, I don't know what the fuck the safe situation. I presume a cop investigating sex crimes or whatever is the only person like in the chain of custody who can actually you look would, at this. Stuff. You would fucking hope. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I don't. I, don't anyway. I mean, I don't know what's, what's safe here. He um, mentions he's like, oh, we tracked down the IP address of the individual who sent out the photos of Mister Hotchkiss at the party. Uh, we tracked through an internet cafe, and several people saw a blonde girl, your height and build, as seen in question. Like, way to go! Like, what was it like? Who told her? Like, was it Blake who like told Mackenzie how to be a hacker or whatever at this place? I think so. Yeah, way to go! You fucked that up. They trace your IP. Blake Wednesday. So they found death threats to Nolan from Ava because of the rumors. Also, I love this like this follow up to the previous thing. Detective is like, by the way, Mister Law, we saw twenty. We have twenty kids who say they saw Nolan heading upstairs with you. It's not just one witness. It's like yeah, twenty fucking different people said they saw you go upstairs. So you you want to change your story? Maybe, maybe you misremembered. yeah, so they they know about the shit that you know Nolan had done to uh, Caitlin's brother, so they get why Caitlin would want him dead. The detective he actually says, and we save the best for last. It, mind you, he Julie. hasn't mentioned Parker. Yeah, not at all. Basically, they can trace the way that she writes her M's to the word monster written on his face. Fucking amateur, truly. Come on. Yeah, seriously, you be better but than that. The whole handwriting sample. Just light yourself on fire and get out of that room. Don't like. Don't give anyone a handwriting sample. Or Just write it with your listen. left hand. Seriously, or your feet. Um, That's why I spend all of French too doing. I was I was signing my uh, fake name with my left hand. Just practice. What's your fake name? Um, I think I used a different name my senior year. I can't remember. I it might have been like Xavier. It might have been something else. Let us clarify on this podcast. Is filthy with fake names. Uh-huh. That was a thing in French. I you had to pick a French name. Yeah, you had to pick a French name. Xavier something. It was like Xavier Dubois. Yeah. Oh, that's really classy. Yeah. Mine was Gerard Gerard. Yeah. Anyway, because they had like a, they had a first name list and the last name list, and Gerard was on both, and I went both. Anyway, the detective suggests that they tell the truth now, so something can be worked out. Uh, the cops said they're looking into they'll look into Granger for sexually assaulting students. Thank you. Uh, but no one wasn't killed of oxy, by the way. He was killed of cyanide poisoning. Bum, bum, bum. See, I told the you cops, so. The cops basically tell... This is the thing, too. It's getting out a lot of info here, yeah. But Parker's... This, or not Parker. Is it... Um, uh, Peters. Peters yeah. is like... He could basically like break these girls right here. Like He could like get a, he could close this. But he's like, think it over, ladies. I'm going to dismiss you. So they storm out. They're freaking it's out. It's like, ladies, think it over. We got like... Like 80 pages in the book left. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's easily like 10, 12 chapters left. So think it over, okay? And maybe a whole other book in this series. They wouldn't even know where to get cyanide, they decide, let alone what it looks like. Come on. This is an Agatha Christie setup, if there ever was one. So what are the odds that someone killed Nolan the way they they had planned it? It sure must be Granger. So obviously it's, it's be not. one of them. So now they just need proof. So they decide in this chapter that they're going to break into Beacon Heights High late at night. Ava and Mackenzie go in. This so you the, get your star. This is the worst the idea. Girl. They're going to leave the others outside. I mean, this is like an, an Arya like, Hannah mission. You just, you think this is an Arya and Hannah mission? You think Hannah's the boring one? Oh, Arya's Ava. So I so, guess so who do you Mackenzie could be Spencer. Oh, burn. I mean, who is the Spencer here? I don't know if we have a Spencer. Parker is Twincer. Sure. Um, anyway, so Ava and Mackenzie go in, leaving the others outside. They have a heart-to-heart. Ava asks if the pictures that Nolan had of her were because he was blackmailing her. No, Mackenzie says. Just a dumb thing of him and his friend. So Ava tells her not to feel bad that Nolan did that to a lot of girls, including her friend Claire, which, like, 
hello. Well, this makes uh, me think, is it possible that Nolan like made Claire go after Blake? Could be. I mean, that's that's kind of giving her an out, but I don't know. Like Nolan seems like a weird sociopath. Like I could see him maybe being like, I'm going to make you betray your friend or something or because I'm blackmailing you. Here's here's the extra gross part. Because Ava. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was suggested well, maybe your friend Claire, blah, blah, blah. Then she's like, by the way, I heard that when I was dating Nolan. And it's like, why are you still dating this creep yeah. for? He said he had pictures of tons of girls, and she's just like, cool. Yeah. Okay, cool, sweetie pie. Let's go to homecoming together. What the fuck? I know. Well, I think in the priest chapter, she like found out that he was bragging that he was going to like fuck her at prom night. And she was like, cool. So Ava might just be trash. Yeah quite possibly so like i mean holy shit young women's bodies are a crazy fucking commodity at this high school somehow nolan hotchkiss and mr granger have an intense monopoly on them but uh granger's classroom his door is locked go figure at night so mackenzie once learned from another band nerd this dispenser thing yeah how to pick a lock with a reed from their instrument so she does that which is convenient and uh far-fetched you don't think so Give me a random high school band nerd. Who I, I think it's, can whip out it's their like sliding the reed like through the crack in the door. I don't think it's like the lock itself. I think it's just like manipulating the latch is what I, I think they're doing. There. Like like the credit card thing. That yeah. Yeah. That's my theory. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, so the girls are going through Granger's desk drawers looking for evidence. The janitor comes in. The janitor is. Well, can I, can I just point out real quick? They find a Nintendo DS. And uh, Granger's like like secret drawer of like confiscated paraphernalia. Yeah. You do not let that DS sit there. You get that back. You're not gonna be like, oh, cool, teach. Just just keep my Nintendo for the rest of the year. No, I've been in. I've I've either been in these situations, like like somewhere in the middle of this drama, or I've heard from people who are friends or, or friends who are teachers about the shit. I'm just that saying, if, with, if, like, game if that teacher's not giving it back to me, I'll come back with a crowbar and I can get it myself. Is this based on a true story? No. Have you had a system confiscated? I've never had a Nintendo DS. They looked fun, but impractical. Have you have you had something in the Nintendo family that was confiscated by a teacher? I have not. I can tell you if I did, though, I'd get it back. I got to say, your childhood is fascinating to me. Chapter 19. Well, hold on. We're not quite done here. So um, the the janitor shows up. He doesn't see her. Listen to the writer. Well, the other shit in this this thing is so – the d- details, the writerly details. In addition to Randy. the Nintendo DS. Who's Randy? The janitor. Oh, sorry. Uh, there's a DS. There's a comic book. There's a pearl-handed penknife, a Zippo, and a silver flask. I feel like the silver flask belongs to my girl Ursula Winters. Um, yeah, so I don't know how they're not caught by the, um, the janitor. But again, because it's McKenzie. A reminder that it's a McKenzie chapter. She freaks out because, oh no, what about like Juilliard? Yeah. Yawn. Chapter yeah. Chapter 19. I can just remember I like way back in the day. Way back in the day, I was reading an interview. I think it was with like uh, James Mars or is that Spike, right? I'll get yes. those guys confused. Not Marston. Yeah. No, wait. I can't. No, Marston Cyclops. Yeah. It's Marsters, I'm pretty sure. And they're asking him, like, oh, you went to Juilliard. How was it? And he was like, it fucking sucked. And I was like, huh, interesting. That's what you always carried with you? Yeah. It was just like, it was like stuffy and there were a bunch of pretentious assholes there. 
For some reason, I always call Marston Night Cheese, even though I don't think he's even in that 30 Rock scene. Hmm. Okay. Working on my Night Cheese. Chapter anyway. 19. So Parker goes to the therapist's office. Oh, Saturday yeah. It's another, this is another, like, this is why, like, I'm like, ooh, good Parker chapter. So get rid of these other fucking boring ass characters here's, and get back to Parker. Here's, here's one of the things that I love about Sarah Shepard's personal writing style for these chapters. Like, we feel like the first five words of every chapter, we know whose chapter this belongs to. I like that. It's really hard not to mention the character's name. I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, especially when one of them's not real. But I like that. Yeah. So this dude, just to set the scene, he's got a cinnamon candle going and some new age music that's filthy of wind chimes and didgeridoo. Yeah. Didgeridoo. I think I spelled that Be careful, Parker, even though you're not real. Yeah. So he asked about about the week. She mentions the cops have been all over the school. He asked if they talk to her. And she says, why would they want to talk to me? I'm invisible. So this sounds oh, I think right that here. she plays it off as um, like paranoia about the cops. But yeah, why would they want to talk to you, Parker? You're not real. This sentence, Parker let her hair fall around her damaged face and twisted her mouth. She gives herself a hard time for making herself sound guiltier. Um, the therapist gets to admit, even to herself, that the cop walked through every girl's motive for wanting to hurt no one except for hers. Uh He asked her if she wanted to be asked about it. She mentions how Nolan didn't even look at her when she got back from school. What she wanted was an apology from him. It wouldn't have meant they'd be friends, she said, but it would have helped her get over it. And so the therapist suggests that she forgive Nolan. Nolan's dead, by the way. Yeah. Well, but I mean, I guess this is part of the process. Well, forgiveness is for you, not for the, you know. Yeah, there's no such thing as closure except what you bring to it. But obviously, if you have a dead friend that you're actually conversing with, you should really actively get them to forgive the other dead people in your life. Yeah. It's just basic ghost math. There, um, there's a mention here. And I want her to be like. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I, was just, I want her to be like, you know, intellectually, I get that. But fuck you. You don't know what it's like in my head. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a mention here where she's looking at herself in like a side view and she gets in the car with this dude because he wants to take her somewhere. And it's like the way the shadows angled, she almost looked normal. She almost couldn't see her scars because yeah. you don't have any because you're Julie. Yeah, they're going on a field trip. Um, I like how she starts yeah. to get freaked out. Like as like it's like she hasn't consciously registered where they're going yet, but it's like. She's, well, she starts to get the cemetery aspect. They're going near the cemetery. Well, but even beforehand, though, before she knows she's going to the cemetery, she starts to be like, uh, where are we going anyway? You know, I love the the dance around the mirror. I look in the mirror. I don't see the scars, but it's not like I see my good friend, yeah. Julie. Um, yeah, she can't she, say why. She's terrified to go to the cemetery. She finds out they're going to McAllister Cemetery and starts freaking the fuck out. She's like, what are you doing? Her voice was yeah. flinty, sharp. Parker took her uh, shook her head violently no no way elliot frowned what do you mean i mean i'm not going in there parker got out of the car and took a few big steps away from him why elliot cocked his head what's happening in your mind right now wow mm-hmm. what is happening in your mind right now julie a thing that i calmly ask ben james you it's please don't happen. ever take me please do not ever take me to my own cemetery i, don't, I just don't want to go there i'll take you there and just It'll be an open grave. I'll just be waiting what for the you. Fuck, man. No chill. No chill at all. You take me to my own open grave. What's the? I'm trying to remember what's the line from the movie that only you and I ever saw. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. Are you talking about uh, Lifeless Ordinary? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Completely I mean, that's a power move. You take someone to a cemetery and the, like their headstone is there, and that's the, not the grave is dug. You're supposed to say, "What's the hard way? I shoot you in the testicles and make you dig your own grave anyway." <laughs> so Parker has this like flashback to her father hovering above her, his hand coming down again and again, and how she'd lain there limp, lifeless on the floor. Yes, definitely lifeless because you're dead. There is like, this implies to me, Julie has spent time essentially cerebrally masturbating to Parker's death. Like how she has imagined her friend being vital, like like violently murdered. Yeah, well, and then Parker's like flipping the fuck out because uh, he wants to make her go to the cemetery. The therapist does. And then all of a sudden, like, ta-da, Julie's right behind her looking angelic. Yeah. And a white diaphanous blouse with her hair strewn around her shoulders. And it's just like, what are you doing? And then Elliot, the the shrink, is just like, oh, I was just trying to help. And Julie's like, you have to be careful with her. Yeah. Yeah. Julie, who's like, I was on the town. And I just happened to see you guys. So Parker collapsed against Julie. She's having the crazy headaches, which that fascinates me. When two personalities are essentially interacting with each other well it really makes physical pain it really makes parker seem like her own like weird like kind of poltergeist dark passenger on top of julie you know like she really has the personality and kind of uh, motivations of parker of a dead parker who's a ghost let me explore this because dark passenger as i understand it is uh the one show right the uh Dexter, which I only saw like a little bit of. The, I, I always assumed, having seen two and a half episodes, the Dark Pastor referred to his like bad urges, right? Yeah, I'm using oh, yeah. it loosely here. Okay, very loosely. Okay, so yeah, so this fascinates me when the two personalities are essentially interacting at the same time, like concurrently. She's having the crazy headaches. Julie says she take Parker home. They catch the next bus. I love the therapist is like, uh, sure. Which like W2F. What is this? What does this look like to this guy? Like IRL? Like what is he actually seeing right now? I presume he can see some sort of difference in the face, like in the in the way that they interact. But like, like he knows just, when he's talking to Julie. If I describe to the listener of this podcast that like I am collapsing against the barrel chest of Ben Jamesio, like crying my, like, crying into his clavicle just as he cradles me and says like you have to be careful with him like and then our our, our mutual like therapist elliot fielder who's on a field trip is like witnessing this like what is he actually witnessing anyway so the julie gives the doctor a hard time about like, you know have to be careful of parker parker isn't sure why she's afraid of cemeteries there's holes in her memory she actually says maybe old parker had hated cemeteries maybe something bad happened to her yeah, in one like a funeral buried. Yeah, like a funeral. Well, this yeah. is what bums me out is because we know in the show that there's an Ava and a Caitlin and a like a boy version of Mackenzie. We have mm-hmm. no hint at all that there is a Julia or a Parker, which it seems like they might have excised the most interesting part of the perfectionist book from the TV show. Yeah. So presumably. The boy is Mackenzie. Yeah, yeah. He plays a cello. So ominous cello, which by the way, ominous cello apparently returns in episode three. Well, yeah, he plays a cello. I'd assume he'd, he'd play it continuously. Well, I'm just saying because we saw the picture from Norman that ominous cello was happening. Um, which makes me wonder: just are they going to keep all of like the Blake bullshit? I like, don't know how somebody, they could. 
Or the Blake and Claire stuff. There's some new guy who's been cast who may or may not have been like recast. I don't know what's going on there. Um, anyway, let's yeah, get to I, chapter I kind of wonder, here. has anyone actually read this like book? Anyway, so yeah, I, thought, I thought this was a joke. Like, but he's got her like confronting her bullshit pretty quickly. Uh, where I thought this was a joke. Chapter 20. Caitlin's at an appointment with Igor, her Russian orthopedic yeah. physical therapist. Igor. This chapter Igor? is mostly uninteresting. The only kind of stuff I pulled out. She's asking the doctor about um, like who'd have access to cyanide, and he says uh, like chemists, photographers, ooh, you know, bah, 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 Granger there, pest control, mineral refinery, uh, dyeing and printing. I can't Whoa. think of any of those that would point to Julie really, but I don't know. Okay, so your your, I'd be very curious if someone could answer. Andrew, I'm looking at you. Like, when in Bros Watch Pillow 2 did you first come up with, um, oh shit, what was it? Like, Spencer's the killer, Arya's the whatever? Oh, the theory? Oh. That was in the. That was, no, no, the. Was that the theory? Was that yeah. the theory? Okay. Spencer's killer, Arya's A. Was that episode and one? And Emily Don't Exist. That was pre episode one. That was in the, uh, the old Time Trial Murder Mystery. Well, but that doesn't exist. Oh, it does. We retconned that out of existence. Yeah. But no, it was somebody's, all the way back then. Yeah. Somebody's downloading that on an Android app as we speak. Anyway, so let me just paint the picture real quick. So a news report comes on as Igor is working his magic on Caitlin about how Nolan Hotchkiss has killed a cyanide. The news, news report actually brings on an expert to explain to the audience of this book what and how cyanide works. Here's the problem with doing like the Agatha Christie pseudo-pastiche book for teens. You have to fucking explain how cyanide works. So do you Igor, really, I feel like everyone should know that cyanide is just a deadly poison. I don't know. I mean, I, you can get technical if you want, but which is, I've seen enough movies. You, a cyanide it's pill. A, it's like the, the, the creepy spy the eats it and then their mouth starts foaming and they're dead. The fake tooth. Sure. Yeah. Is that kind of sort of what Joffrey got? No, no, no. His, he had something totally different. He didn't okay. foam with the mouth. I just want to point out the reporter here on TV She's asking like this like expert or whatever. She's like, oh, what about the chem lab at school? And this expert says a chemistry professor would know how to obtain potassium cyanide. Way to fucking blow up your like local Walter White there. He's like, what the fuck, man? You're <laughs> Come on. Damn right. <laughs> so Igor says something about it. he hopes that Nolan's killer rots in jail, which Caitlin takes pretty hard. So Ava sends out a group text. She says, just look through Bogey's shit at the lighthouse. Nada. What a Bogey is the code for Granger. What a goddamn this, dork she is. Yeah, this dude is not cool enough to be a Bogey. I want Ava to be more of a doke, uh, dork early on, though. A doke. Yeah. I'm, a I, doge. I've been drinking. Oh. oh how do you? What are you drinking? We've oh. talked about this. Not we, on air. Haven't we? No. I don't know, man. We've been recording for like three hours now. It's been two hours. Don't worry about it. Um, the lighthouse, lighthouse. yeah go for the high school sometimes you just have to stare at the beach for a while um like the whole high school or just his office like, weren't they just in his classroom slash office no it's like the next day or something i think where is she searching right now like where in bogey's lighthouse is she searching i think this is because it says ava sent a message last night Okay. So that last night was when she searched at you know the lighthouse, aka the school. No, this this is the group text. But they just they were all in the parking lot waiting for her. 
Why did she need to send the group text like last night? What are you talking about? Your timeline's all fucked up. Weren't the other two girls like playing like like uh uh they watch went, out? They went to see the cops. No, the other two girls were not playing lookout. They went okay, to see so the they, cops. Ava and Mackenzie went to the high school. The next day, Caitlin is going to see her doctor and she's recalling that she got a group text from Ava last night. I guess my timeline is all fucked. The important, like, the important text here is that she got a text from Jeremy and saying Dragon Ball Marathon on. Thought you should know. Fucking lose that guy's number, man. Anime guys. Somebody hold me back. Yeah. Hold me back. Anyway, um, this is where this is where Josh shows his quality here. Man, this guy sucks. She so like yeah. gets in his car after her physical therapy appointment. He like oh, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on. So 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 she does talk about a little bit about her her flirtation of Jeremy. They have <laughs> been texting he texted her nerd with a smiley face emoji or sorry she did and he responded with takes one to know one with a smiley face emoji you've got to like double up your aggressive emoji fig like figures like you can't respond to the same emoji right well i mean this is um i don't know maybe they couldn't print the the accurate emoji you know but i'm just saying like if somebody's aggressive <laughs> Flirting with you with like one emoji, you don't copy the same emoji. You no, you gotta, the emoji. you gotta like do like, like tongue sticking out or something. Yeah, you don't play it again, Sam. Um, yeah, so she, whatever, we get rid of Igor. I'm sorry, continue on with uh, fucking is it Josh? So Josh he, Friday, he turns on his, he, he, you know, turns the ignition, starts the car, uh, some loud ass music starts playing, and he like cranks it up even louder after she flinches. And he's just mm-hmm. like, the song always makes me think of Cape Disappointment Trip. Remember when we listened to it on the way there like 500 times? God, this guy sucks. It's like she's clearly annoyed by the music, so he turns it up. Mm-hmm. So they're driving, and she's like trying to get real. She's like, hey, you ever think about what you'd do if you couldn't play soccer? And he's just like, huh? What do you mean? And it's just like, I just don't see the point of thinking about something that isn't going to happen. Soccer is life. Yeah. God, this guy sucks. Well, also, this is the detail I, I, I love that you forgot. She's gone to her physical therapy appointment. Her boyfriend has driven her there. She forgot that. Like she forgot that he was waiting outside to pick, like, take her home. Oh, I try to forget about this guy too. I, I agree, but like, I'm just saying, if somebody gives me a ride to a doctor's appointment and they're going to wait outside for me, that's rough. When I forget about them, like, oh shit, we just talked 20 minutes ago. Maybe this relationship should end. Um, well, she's trying to like kind of get real with this dude, and she's like, I don't know, just you know, thinking about my brother Taylor, thinking about Nolan dying, it's bringing up a lot of shit. Like, you know, thinking about life is short and whatnot. Like, we really want to like spend the whole time playing soccer, or whatever. He's like, I honestly don't see what Taylor and Nolan has to do with soccer, which is God awesome. Damn. He says one point. He says the words, "Soccer is life." Uh huh. And it's just like, you don't want to screw up your chances of getting into UW. And she's basically finally just like, fuck yourself. And she like gets out of the car and it's just like, oh my God, you're not getting back in later. Well, he, he gives her shit. Like he feels like she's always trying to pick a fight with him, but really she just wants Tim to listen, especially about her brother. Because as we learned, and I think in the very first Caitlin chapter, he acts like a fucking weirdo whenever she talks about it. God damn it, man. She's not going to be over it a year later. Her fucking brother. Well, it's like six died. months, I think. Yeah. 
whatever. Her fucking brother died. She's not going to be just cool a year later. She's not going to be cool in DTF a year later. Just she saying, wants Sid, to talk. I've had time to get over it. Yeah, yeah. Movies don't make people psycho. They make psychos more creative. Yeah, she just wants to fucking talk about it. She doesn't want your fucking opinion. She wants you to listen. He acts like a fucking weirdo. So she finally, like, it finally clicks. She has nothing in common with this dude beyond soccer, which I like. She she has an interesting thought here. She says maybe it was because they'd been together for too long. They developed a pattern of not saying so many things that it felt weird to actually be honest. A nice little insight into Caitlin there. Yeah, so she jumps out of the car. She screams that she needs some time alone. This shithead is like, whatever, drives off. Babe, so she's get there. back in the car. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's he's no Caleb. They're doing like pseudo Caleb bro voice, but he's not Caleb. Yeah. You're saying no Caleb. You're no Caleb. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, there's been a weird thing on YouTube lately. Whenever I do YouTube shit, for some reason, YouTube shit. Yeah. YouTube suggests to me for some reason Alex is like uh like bros Caleb Sarah Harvey videos. Oh really? Yeah, it's so wild. So I keep watching them. Um so Alex, if you're listening and you're like videos have like gone up a few counts a few last week, it's me. Well, I mean um, it's teach you how to hack. Thing about like calling your moms or <laughs> No, the line is uh Emily's like, Is this real? And he's like, No, it's minimum wage. <laughs> you start tomorrow. <laughs> And she's like, I need a fucking job. <laughs> oh my God, Sarah, I miss her so much. Um, she's thinking about calling her mom, she's thinking about calling Jeremy. She sees Granger jogging by. He's making intense eye contact with her. He waves. She recognizes something in herself that she felt in her reaction to Nolan. This strong desire to want to destroy somebody, which is hot. Well, no, she's she's seen the look on Mr. Granger's face, the same look she had towards nolan after her brother died it's uh the message saying you're going down and there's nothing you can do about it. she thinks that mr granger is going to take her down Hot. yeah chapter 21 yeah chapter 21 uh oh it's julie's date at fucking maru's sushi here with australian bozo here um i wonder if this guy talks like jordan from pll so we've got these mentions throughout the book that um, people really like Julie. They aspire to be her. Is it possible be- that like she gets extra sympathy because like her best friend died? Because yeah, she's I talking about that. like, oh, this one girl, like a junior named Sadie said she'd hold the umbrella over Julia. as She walked a short distance to the restaurant. Like, are they all just like treating her with kid gloves because her friend died? I really wonder like, and how depressing is it if you interpret that internally as like god damn i'm super popular yeah uh so anyway carson wanted to date julie wasn't sure but parker grabbed the phone and texted back yes uh we get to the sushi place he's wearing a gray blazer which Mm -hmm. i cannot visualize a gray blazer looking good that sounds awful to me maybe it's like a really like dark like charcoal blazer i could kind of see that but Okay, is it the blazer or is it the color of the blazer? I think it's the, the gray. Like gray? Okay. Distressed like jeans and a vintage t-shirt. Gray blazer. I just can't I can't picture gray, at least like a lighter gray at all. Like this sounds awful. So what color blazer would you wear to a public appearance? Um I don't wear blazers. I'll, I'll say that to begin with. But if I did, I feel like you gotta like inject some color. Okay, okay. 
I just realized that I wore a blazer to a thing related to the podcast. Uh huh. You did. Velvet. Well, so are you basically? Is this like a subtle dig at me? Are you? Are no, you I just. So I'm, I'm, are you casting shade? Am I horrible? Is I'm that not what you're casting saying? Shade. You're tall. I'm short. Blazers don't work on me. Oh well, you've got a blazer though, right? No. There's a blazer in your closet. No. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I wear hoodies. Blazers. Man. I think blazers could work for you. You're a classy guy. I'm too short. Anyway, you're also in thirties. It's blazer time. Anyway, so um, I wrote down the line, and then I read the line where he literally asked her if she thinks that her his accent is sexy. Whatever. Yeah, uh, this we, guy. This guy's fucking boring. Sell. Put another yeah, goddamn shrimp uh, on the Barbie, dude. Yeah, he's got like gold flecks in his eyes. We're told that like three times. Yeah, he has this story. He's like, one time a great, I can't, not going to do the accent. One time a great white shark circled my surfboard for 40 minutes. I had to just stay there and wait him out. I thought it was shark bait for sure. Cool story, bro. I don't think that's how sharks work. I don't think that happened. Also, also, one of his like highlights from being Australian is that filming comedy sketches with his friends down yeah. under. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyways, these she tells me she's lifeguard at the rec center. These two are on a date. They're laughing, exchanging stories. These stories sound fucking horrendous. Her stories include one time she and Parker tried to hitchhike to Portland to see Taylor Swift. They spent hours on the side of the highway. Then some well, creep this, picked them up. This story car. becomes interesting because he's like, who's your friend you're talking about, Parker? <laughs> well, hold on. Car is filled with bobbleheads. He kept humming some horror movie song. They got him to let them out the next exit. The next car that picked them up was their algebra teacher and yada, yada, yada. They never got to the concert. That's when Carson asked about the Parker. I don't know about you, but I'm not feeling 22. <laughs> yada 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 over the best part uh, Carson asked about Parker then the food comes she never answered so they, she's she like uh huh yeah well this is when it got like super interesting for me and I was like god damn is like Ben James planning something perfectly for the last chapter Still not happening. so happening she goes to the bathroom she practices a big smile in the mirror and I was like oh shit we're gonna see like, like the flip or the turn or the change I just say she's like trying to like hype this guy up for the eel i i've tried it several times i i just don't it's gross to me i don't know i don't understand people who like sushi is this a euphemism no okay literally eels gross i don't know i don't understand why people like seafood i find it gross Hmm. do you a big seafood fan am i a big seafood fan yeah not so much eat sushi uh have you ever, have I, you ever eaten sushi have i ever eaten sushi i have okay um i was once on an encounter that i didn't realize was a date to the other person oh we ate sushi Go on um, what is this this was several years ago okay uh it, it was someone else living with you no it was sushi it was a euphemism no, sushi, well, I mean, we were in a restaurant. There's people around us. Someone took our money, so. <laughs> so, yes. Um, it was a weird date because someone's friend was there as well. Oh. And then I was like, what are you expecting of me? I don't know. Um, and then I realized I was eating sushi. Streaming. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know a lot about sushi because I'm not a sushi guy. I'm like you. I'm not a sushi guy. I'm not super apprehensive, but I'm not also super interested I don't like sea or seaweed. I should say I don't like seafood in general, but I especially don't like seaweed. So you got to lose the seaweed, and then like I don't know. I'd rather just eat like rice and 
I don't know, like Kung Pao or something. Here, here's the thing. Most, well, not most. Some places that pride themselves on sushi also serve like, I don't know, like teriyaki chicken or whatever. Yeah, I'd rather have teriyaki there's, chicken. There's something basic bitch for like guys like you and me. Oh, right? yeah. 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 I've been there. We've been there. High five. Yeah. Word. Um, so anyway. Ashley so, shows up. Ashley, her weird fucking doppelganger in the bathroom. Why? Is she her doppelganger? Like, I think she's, she's the one who's always trying to dress like her. Okay. So real quick. So she practices the big smile. Maybe the date's going okay. Maybe she can have a relationship. She can make this work. She talks about how she's been friends of Nissa. Remember Nissa? She's been friends of Nissa for years. She's never invited her over to her place. It's totally cool. She's literally that, thinking about how she can ask Carson more questions about life in Australia. Yawn. <laughs> Maybe the dingo ate your baby. Um, this one, Ashley Ferguson shows up out of fucking nowhere. I love that you have the line. Like, it's like a face appeared in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting the way that's described. I, you're like, Parker? No, it's Ashley Ferguson. Yeah, then uh, Ashley Ferguson, who's got like an itty bitty skirt on and apparently huge breasts. And, and like doing a power like a move where she's just like taking Julie's lipstick out of her purse, putting yeah. it on and being like, I'm taking your lipstick now. What are you going to do about it? What do you mm. mean? You complain to someone who you complain to? You I know about you, copycat. Ooh. At first, I was like, ooh, what does that mean? I was like, oh, yeah, the cat thing, the mom thing. So somehow oh, or other, oh. Ashley must know the secret about Julie's mom now. And Julie's like, fuck. And that is yeah. the chapter yeah. 21. Um uh- well, like, Julie's like, whatever. She still snatches back. Yeah, to yeah Julie's not fucked. She's more like, whatever. And it's like, I got a hot date to get back to you. Yeah. So she marched on her hot date. The last line is yada yada, something like, maybe the police could push her around, but Ashley Ferguson couldn't. Have we actually heard of Ashley Ferguson before? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. No, when they, when they go to the party, there's like this one chick who's always like wearing the same clothes as, as Julie. Who's like trying to oh. be like Julie. Okay. So. We talked a little bit um, offline about how some podcasts are bad. Here's the oh. like podcast iTunes comment that I've seen occasionally on bad podcasts where it's like these hosts don't seem to get the show that they're watching. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cop to I don't remember certain details from the perfectionist part one that mm. we recorded a month ago. Mm. So unless Ashley Ferguson is Ursula Winters, I don't care. No, she's she's been mentioned. I'm pretty sure. Okay, good. She's just okay. like the weird, like try hard, uh, wants to be just like Julie person. Okay. Okay. Anyways, that's the end of chapter twenty one. We're done. Well, not with the book, but with our segment. Um next time we'll be doing the rest of the book, which is actually like fifteen or sixteen chapters, but for some reason I guess they're like really short chapters. I I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it. Like I really enjoy the second part. I mean, Granger is a red herring, but I'm eager to see how he's going to fit into this because it seems yeah. like he's going to fuck them over somehow. Right, right, right. Well, okay. I don't think, I don't think Julian Parker are like killers. Like, I don't think they actually. You don't think killed. so? I don't know. I I think there's going to be like like one of these boring, tertiary like individual character ecosystem like characters going to be the killer. But like I'm enjoying the Gordian knot of uh, uh, Parker and Julie. I'm just curious. Seemingly, we could be completely wrong. We don't know. But 
you watch the trailers and, and like the upfront stuff for the perfectionists, there's no hint at all that there's a, a Juliana Parker situation. Mm-hmm. Is it possible? I'm going to throw this theory out there. Is it possible that either Mona or Allie is the Parker? Go on. That perhaps Allie is not real on the new show? Ooh, Emerson fans would love that. Which is why there there could be such a perfunctory there could be such a perfunctory explanation for how Allie's there that doesn't totally add up, but it's like, oh yeah, Mona works admissions and she hired her. Sure. Okay, so what you're saying though is that the Emerson like perfunctory explanation, like the hand wavy Emerson thing, is more hand wavy and like red herring esque to like the Mona dollhouse perfunctory hand wavy thing sure maybe i don't know mona i I, of the two mona be more likely to have a a crazy dissociative tulpa wouldn't you Uh, say oh for sure yeah established in the text Uh uh-huh but but i don't think you're going to see the um internet backlash with anything related to mona that you would with emerson let me let me be clear i don't give a fuck about emerson so I don't really care about that as far as my theory goes. I'm just saying, like, if if one of them was the Parker, I think Allie would be the more likely choice there. You're going to get some tweets. Tweet at me. Oh, at at Benjamin gonna... underscore light. At Ben Jamesio on Twitter. Tweet at him. Tweet away. It's not happening. Tweet or diddle do. What's your drink situation? I'm drinking. How how many um, of those bad boys are you into? Three and a half. White okay. IPA. Oh, wow. Accumulation. Establishing your cred. Yeah. So that is the, the book, at least so far. Um, we will be doing the rest of the book next time. Chapters 22 to, I believe, it's 37. Uh, so if you want to follow along with us, that will be our December pod. We finish up the book. We may or may not do the next book. I guess we'll have to see how this one ends and whether or not we feel mm-hmm. like we need to do another. Mm. Um, the other thing we may want to discuss, although, um, well, we'll I'll just say what it is. You, the uh, live Let's talk show. about you. Yeah, I oh, yeah. have not watched you in like four weeks. So Why confession. Uh, I've just been fucking busy. To be honest, I I do want to watch it. I've just been busy and for whatever reason not in the mood. So you had Daredevil time. Like, don't you don't need to bring that up. You had maniac time. You had Sabrina time. Fair. The Dark Lord is a fragile bitch. In Sabrina. <laughs> anyway, save, save for next week. So you left off. Where'd you leave off? On you? Let's talk about. Uh, I think the last episode I watched was the Captain, where we find oh. out that her dad is like this fucking weirdo who goes to like cosplayer things or something. Like- is it like Dickens cosplay? Yeah, or something. That was where she like she finally she it was a cliffhanger where like she fucked the uh, the dude and he was like a one pump cum and then it was like wow that sucked. But then like by the end of the episode they like had a little fight and a semi breakup and they got back together and then he like really laid the pipe apparently because she's super happy. Was he a one pump cum or was it like a three pump cum? I wasn't counting. You should have counted those pumps. Um, and then he tried to like like finger her in ikea and she's like what the fuck yeah this dude just like it's weird how he has game until he needs it and then he has none okay you, you know you know what i'm saying right 
whatever. Um, so my question for you is, so that's episode that's four, episode four Captain. Yeah. I've not last watched night, uh, five through eight. Last night was episode eight. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the show goes in those four episodes succeeding where you left off? Well, it really seemed like it the the end was coming soon for is it Paige Salinger or no Peach, Peach. Salinger yeah it seemed like the okay. end was coming soon for Peach so I don't know what happens there but I'm not expecting her to last long um, mm. otherwise I don't know I mean I guess I, I'm guessing ten episode season I could be wrong mm-hmm. but if it's mm-hmm. a ten episode season it's got to go good for a while and then it's going to take a turn you know so I'm guessing the turn probably just happened so. Most extreme of spoilers for listeners. You've already said you don't give a shit. Um, let me just say Joe and Beck break up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's an episode where they're broken up. That sounds about right. Um, I got to say episode eight last night written by the book's author was my favorite episode. Is there, there more of a- um, the weird fucking... Blythe girl or whatever her name is I I like hated like, that character. Have you found the Blythe? Like I remember I've done like, a little bit Blythe? of Blythe, and I was just like, "Fuck Blythe." Blythe shows up in last night's episode, and she is, oh my god, she is like, if, if I I think of her as if okay, there's a little bit of extra baggage. Okay, obviously with Blythe's situation, but imagine if Blythe didn't have the success of Alina Dunham, but you ran to Alina Dunham at a party. And what would that conversation be like? That's kind of how I describe Blythe. She is horrible. Spicy. But but she finds true love in a relationship that I didn't expect to happen and I'm kind of rooting for. The, tr- the true everything ship. So everything ship becomes like a term. It's an actual episode title. Uh, like what's, the, what's the weirdest coupling of all characters you can think of on this show? On um, you? Yeah, on you. Um, all characters on the table. Mm-hmm. I all guess ca- like the his like little kid neighbor and like um <laughs> Beck's stepmom. So like Paco and the stepmom. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Um, his coworker. Oh uh, yeah, get it, man. Yeah, Ethan gets a Blythe. Smoke that That's- ass. Eight, episode eight. They're moving in together. They're not just moving in together. They're doing that thing that uh. What's his name? Bruno Gans and like Harry Fisher doing on Harry Met Sally, where they, they get their friends to actually move their fucking furniture for them. That doesn't exist. It does when there's like romantic tension between the two people. Between who? Well, the two friends. Oh, the two friends who are moving? Yeah. And remember, maybe you could swing that. Some sort of like, weird, uh, like, so and so is helping me, so you have to help me too. Back wheel coffee table. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. It's been like a year or two since I've seen with Harry Met Salary. Mr. Zero knew before I did. Did you say when Harry Met Salary? (laughs) (laughs) I think I meant Sally, but I've had a few drinks. Also, this this is when the podcast really begins. I'm trying to remember his name. Nick, I think you said the last last episode is when I was the sloppiest I've ever been. Um, I'm working on it. I'm trying not to be that sloppy this week. I'm trying to get Benji on my level. Get on my level, Ben James. Yo. Not gonna happen. Oh uh, well, pause the drink. Not, not uh, if you so, keep using that name. Really? Are you super against it? I think it's endearing. No, it isn't. It's sweet. It, no, it isn't. It's like me shipping no. the 
Especially no. yourself. No. Is there like an adorable ship name between the two of you? Um, My there's name no... is Khan. There's... Sorry. <laughs> there's no adorable ship name between the two aspects of me. Is there? No, there's not. Oh, wait, there is. I can think of a few. No. Only tell me three of them later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, Joe's got a new girlfriend, Karen uh, Minty. Oh, yeah. Do you want me to catch you up? What's that? Do you want me to just, like, catch you up? No, I'll watch it. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think anyone's listening at this point, anyway. I think we drove away. Should we just stop? I really enjoyed last week's, last night's episode, episode okay. eight. It's my, my or is there like a lull? Like, does it like kind of get like a little bit of a grind at some point? Um, I'm honestly trying to remember what happens in episode five and six, but again, Ooh. a few drinks. I mean, it, it can't be worse than uh, some of these other Netflix shows I'm watching. I'm sure. I don't know how you're watching Daredevil. I, I made it four episodes in, like, and I finally got to like the big scene that people are talking about, and I was just like. Eh, so it's an action scene. Whatever. An- another fucking long take hallway fight. Great. Oh, that's what that's what they're talking I mean, about. It's just like it's like I don't know, longer than usual, and then you know, kind of like moves throughout a bigger location or whatever. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Let me let me tell you the only good part of Daredevil season four through four episodes. Is, let me ask you a question: Is Matt Murdock still consistently, continuously edging Karen Page? Oh fuck yes, he is, and that is the only good part of this okay. season okay i feel like i was talking about this like a halloween part the other day and like i was like explaining was why this was the only good part of the show and like the dudes i was talking to were like eh. and i was just like fuck it man you know I'm, I'm a little embarrassed you don't recognize me because i was there i was yeah. dressed as an actor i well, told you i was, an well, actor, was you, the the only like compelling moment in four episodes of daredevil so far like Daredevil, mm-hmm. like I, I can't even remember how the fuck the defenders ended, but I guess like he blew up or something. He uh, died. Yeah. So it, like he like Who wakes up in like a nunnery in Hell's Kitchen, of course, or whatever. I think his the nun might be like his mom who's treating him. It's unclear, but um, he's not telling his like his homies that he's back. He's not telling Karen Page and uh, fucking Froggy. Uh, so they they think he's dead, but Karen Page is holding out hope that he might still be alive, and that just, that just huh. they just really run with that for a while. I think maybe he still has not interacted with Karen. Um, oh. So like two episodes in, Karen's interviewing some woman for something completely unrelated. It's like she's like the spouse of a celebrity who got mugged or something like that, and like she happens to mention, oh, he would have died if it weren't for that man in the mask. And Karen's just like, what? And she's like, oh, yeah, this guy showed up out of nowhere and saved me. And it's like you just you see like the delight both on Karen's face and in the in the audience's face. It's like, oh, shit, Daredevil. Yeah. Can we get back to that show? Mm-hmm. Like that is the best moment of the first four episodes. In conclusion, we should probably end this podcast now. I can't believe you watched that. Um, so something that shows up on you that I don't think you were expecting Mm. John Stamos. Fucking Stamos, man. Just never know. Stamos with a beard. I don't know why. Here's my big movie idea for you. Men of a certain age. No, no, no. Close. So close. Brothers road trip comedy with John Stamos and Jason Manzukas as the brothers. Uh yeah, that's like that's like twins. 
one of them got all the good stuff. When they're on a road trip. I'm not interested. You do you even know who these two people are? Do you Yes. Even, can you even like touch your tip of your finger to your tongue and like taste it to the air and smell the zeitgeist? Come on, this is this is happening. I have no idea what you're talking about. Are you you're trying to put like Mansukis on the level of Stamos? Are you trying to put Stamos on the current level? You live in LA. Mm. Okay. Mm. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Are we done here? I think we're done. So next week or next month, I should say, we'll be back with the rest of the Perfectionist book one and uh, maybe some other stuff. We'll see. Any further adventures of Ben Jamesio? No. No, we'll see you in a month. All right. Take it easy. Bye-bye.